0: kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989, we had catalogued 57 different species.
1: We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've
2: discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Such
3: Greetings and salutations to all our fellow sky watchers listening tonight from planet Earth, whether it's flat or round, doesn't really matter. And to all our listeners intergalactically, whatever planet you're listening in, live broadcasting from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida. I am one-fourth of the crew here, one of the four wheels that drives this ship. With me, as always, is my radio hetero life mate, the one, the only, Alan Weiler. Alan, say hi.
4: Hi.
3: Hi. (laughs) <laughs> and joining myself okay, bye, and Alan, bye, bye, bye. Hello. Okay, one more time, that's much better. Hello. Now joining myself and, and weird Alan over here, Tres Leche, mm-hmm. is the one and only on this beautiful June 19th, 2016, the one and the only Crystal Storm, TCS woo woo, hi Pookie.
5: Hey Pookie, how you doing?
3: I'm doing better how's my
5: voice you, you sound better you do you yeah. sound much better Dude, I, I feel like I don't feel like that we should be you know making you go back to bed with the chicken soup and all the good stuff so you do yes I'm not mm, it's so good to I'm speak fine.
3: again huh?
5: yes I imagine I imagine so that that would be that, that would be nice instead yeah? of coughing as hard yeah I've yeah, I had well. to I, I used to get really chronic bronchitis so I know what it's like to have be stuck on the breathing machine that's, that's no fun
3: It is not fun. And rounding off the fourth wheel here, the one and the only, Mr. Christopher J. Brown. Chris Brown, what's up, buddy?
6: Hey, Godfather, I'm
4: very happy you're
3: feeling better. I made him an Uh... offer he couldn't refuse.
5: Wow! And he got me my voice All back. All I say is wow. What else can you say to that? But wow! <laughs> Literally nothing else to say. Nothing.
3: Yeah, you can't follow that with anything but wow. That's about it. Is it? That's is wow. It.
5: Now yeah, we're starting a like, little bit late wow. here, and
3: uh, you know we're starting a little bit late here, and uh, yeah, I apologize about that. We had a, a little bit of an issue uh, with the Tres Leche over here. What was going on with you, Tres Leche? You're good. <laughs>
4: uh, I, 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 it was my fault. Only uh, I just. I just had something wrong for dinner, that's all. Mm. Just something a little wrong for dinner. You know, mm. put up a little bit of a fight. It was it was what it was. But it's okay. You, uh, are I'm, you I'm, uh, are
3: you eating roadkill again? What's
4: going on?
5: Mm-mm, don't do that. No,
4: I'm not eating roadkill, but thank you for offering. I'm going to pass. Um, okay, well, next week we'll offer some. I mean,
5: because he said again, like, did you really do that? Like, what's
4: wrong? Yeah, no, 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 yeah, I times. never did that. But there's this really cool book called Roadkill Surprise. I was having mm. these really weird bits of information. Though.
3: He would know about that kind of stuff, right? Like that's all translator either. Uh-huh. That is all translator actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you guys want to
4: join where I'm like, y'all gonna get some of that roadkill surprise. No.
3: <laughs> hey, some would say don't knock it till you try it.
5: Yeah. Oh. Oh, my goodness.
3: We're going to get so much hate mail. But anyway, if you guys want to join in or curse at us for uh, (laughs) funny (laughs) accents, please do that. Uh, Call in at 786-245-8127. As always, that number is free. West of the Rockies, east of the Rockies, south of the equator, whether you're in the north or the south pole, flat earth, even if you're on Uranus, you can call that number and get right through to us. Again, the number is 786-245-8127. If you're calling from Uranus, it might be a really long distance call, though, so you might want to.
5: That's you, serious. you might want to check some. Uh, uh, I want to uh, check fees. the uh, long distance yeah. fees on that. Yeah, Feast. that's a that's a long call. Oh, but I hey, could call in. Call in.
3: I, I could say I could say just a couple of words
4: to get people to call in.
3: Oh, I'm afraid. All
4: lives matter. Oh, co- <laughs> <Why>? oh goodness. <laughs> Someone's going to call in an objector. Actually, agree. It's one of the other. Oh God, I'm, just, I'm ignoring you. Can
5: we put him in his room?
3: Yeah, that' us let you go to your room. Come on, go. go. <laughs> I mean, do you have
4: the slamming the door? Do you have the slamming the door sound effect? I, I think <laughs> yes, I do. Put in his room. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it's all right. oh, oh my goodness! What are pain. we gonna do with it'll, you? What are we gonna do with this man? What are we gonna do? With I don't
5: this? know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea.
3: Now, joining us tonight here on the show is Rich Hoffman, and he's uh, of MUFON fame, and uh, we're going to talk to him about MUFON and a lot of other things. I'm really excited to have him on the show, by the way.
5: Yeah, he's going to be a speaker next month, too, by the way, at the uh, right. at the synopsis. So that's going to be, yeah, I'm hoping that we can finagle him into talking about what he's going to talk about at MUFON, because it's really interesting, and I really well, want to talk about
3: it. What'd you call it again? The,
5: the what? The MUFON synopsum Is that what? No. No, no. no. Symposium. No. Symposium Symposium uh-huh. That's what okay. Synopsis okay. I was like What the hell is that? Symposium.com well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's a synopsis You know what I'm saying You know Whatever right. okay.
3: You're close enough You know Actually I was talking To Morgan Beale Who uh Shout out to him He's going to be on the show Here in the next few weeks Um He's the state director here in Florida for MUFON, and we are talking about getting the table ready and all that stuff. I'm really excited about next month. It's going to be so much fun going out there and uh, possibly doing some broadcasting, some video recording. I'm uh, a bummed. Lot of cool I stuff. can't
2: go. I wish I could go. I wish I was in Florida and it was just a hop, skip, and then jump. But, you know uh, what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, you're like on the other side of the planet, aren't
2: you? I like, know. it. And it was Steve yeah. Hutchins messaged me the other day and asked me, are you going to be going? And I, <laughs> I said, no, but I did say all you guys that are all over there are probably going to be going. Yeah, We're going to be there put in it
4: spirit. On. I've already put it on my schedule. I've already allocated time to make it. So. Yeah.
2: So uh, it's...
4: R- Yeah, far out. You're going to be there. Why don't you man. guys
2: uh, allocate time and put together me a little GoFundMe quick uh, pot thing, and boom, next thing you know, I'll be there and join you live in person. Just
5: sell some of the other guys' products real quick. You'll be good yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah, why not, see, huh?
2: Why don't you just send me over some of those products that you claim and you're working a, on there? A, as
4: soon as you yeah. cover the cost of it, I'm afraid you're going to run off with the stuff. Come on.
2: Oh, uh, I don't know about that. You know,
4: I, I want to get, you uh, know, can you be bonded for, car- you know, for carrying inventory?
2: I don't know. Will what? you
4: pass a background check?
2: I thought that I can do, no problem. But the thing of it is... Lies! It's, it's, what about your... What's your uh, yeah, no, I can No, but the... Uh, <laughs> the 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 smell the, or the the taste yeah the stuff can,
4: yeah the cannabis stuff yeah. cannabis stuff yeah that, that's no, a that. real
2: tough one you know I'm going to be honest with you coming from a cannabis man and stuff is that a lot of people put a lot of pride and stuff like that in it and a lot of people don't would never want to go and, and put that stuff on top of it just because they all like this different taste that they have and blah 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 blah, blah. but but that's just my opinion I'm, well I'm just remember the snozberries
4: taste like snozberries.
3: Well, very but true. Do, I'm they, like
5: do they really?
3: Yes, do they do. they really?
4: Yes. The, they I mean, really? can you imagine? Just, just picture this. Cotton candy flavored and smelling candy.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they have mm-hmm. cotton candy uh-huh. strain. There's cotton candy. Was a great strain. Yeah, I you love cotton I'm but- a
5: big fan though of the flavoring everything to like ad nauseum. That just, yeah. I mean, I, I like natural know, stuff, especially especially with with I marijuana. Say, like, look, I
3: like addictive. I like I like my weed. Like I like my women natural. Yeah. I don't like any implants okay, on my so, women. So I don't don't like any extra drops or- on my weed. Or it some is.
4: Crown Royale flavor or a Jägermeister flavor as well. yeah, If I
3: want those flavors, I'll just have some Crown Royale or some Jägermeister, you know what I'm saying? you Jägermeister,
5: stop that. Gross. Yeah,
3: Everything no, else That is kind of gross, yeah, that is kind of gross. <laughs> so
5: they actually I do. Mean,
2: they actually they actually have a cotton candy marijuana strain that came out in the 90s, and that what it is is it's off of a Northern Lights, it's off of a Canadian strain. The problem and, is uh, the terpings in it,
4: but it's the problem achiba. is the terpings that are in it, and... The way, that the things that you have to put into the ground for the terpenes to absorb into the plant is the problem.
5: I feel like real weed smokers do not want that flavored shit because no. you appreciate yeah. and you love uh, the smell and the yeah, taste. Incorrect. of Correct. Get like, different and flavors. No, in different take, it areas of who, yeah, take, take it for somebody yeah, take it for somebody who's been smoking I'm for a long time. It's no, true. Okay, now
4: now look at it this way: if you it, actually have the ability to spray it on and that allows you to smoke it just about anywhere because no one can think and detect what it is, that changes the game a little no, bit. Because too. no one yeah, does it. No, because no, any no.
5: good, again, professional weed smoker already knows how
3: to smoke and uh, <laughs> <yeah, it's> not. An <laughs> trichy- <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 kids, 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 kids. All right, enough uh, for the, okay, it, the enough for the weed talking. That's, That's, That's it. Cut. I cut, what you're it. Saying, but the- cut it out. Let's get to some ufology stuff, guys. We're talking way too much about weed on this show. It's just okay, ridiculous. Case,
4: the pre-orders say that you guys are wrong.
3: This is sky watchers Radio. This is not Sky Weed Radio.
5: <laughs> 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 we like we can do that show little... later, other
3: guy We can do that show later and show your products uh, on the week That's all
5: I'm saying there,
3: There's a couple of news things we want to get to before we go on breaking In about 10 minutes and get our guest on Because I'm, I, I just want to get to the guest because I'm super excited to have uh, Rich on the show uh, Which, yeah. by the way, uh, this marks uh, two days in a row now that I do a show that uh, Rich is on
5: It's a rich week That's just how we're rolling
3: yeah, yeah. Yesterday, of course, uh, we had Rich Giordano on the uh, the uh, UFO, I was about to say the Easy UFO Show, but no, it was UFO Radio with uh, Jesse Randolph and uh, Chris J. Brown here, and uh, a great show. Rich uh, and, and you guys nailed it yesterday. You killed it. I got to sell that
5: archive. I can't wait.
2: Well, he will be joining us too on PSN Network. Am I correct?
3: That is correct. He's going to be uh, starting up uh, on Sunday his own uh, A Z UFO Show.
5: Or the Rich Giordano show,
3: whichever he wants to call it. We don't know yet. We don't know yet.
5: That's it. Sundays are a good day on PSN. That's how. Yeah, it's gonna gonna be a
3: fun day. We have uh, women in hoodies.
5: That's right. That's right. And then we have Rich Giordano. of your
3: day? Uh In between there, we're gonna have the roundtable also. So it's gonna be a fun. I love the roundtable
5: so Hold happy about the
3: round table. Yay! Okay. okay, UFO news. I'm ready. UFO news. Here we go. There's a, a massive underwater UFO base in Guantanamo Bay. There's an article from uh, Utopia.buzz. Uh, conspiracy theorists claim that Marines saw secret crafts virtually every night coming out of Guantanamo Bay. A UFO. Uh, UFOs were seen in, a, in and out of the major underwater uh, base in Guantanamo Bay. And uh, it says it's been doing that for almost 50 years they've been seeing yep, these things
5: i believe Bay. That. That's, yep. that. that's interesting now this uh, is so your um, i've heard that story for years
3: i've heard i've heard rumors about this and now they're reporting it as a factual uh, you know report uh, so it's no longer just a rumor this is from the daily mail also they reported this and uh this is interesting, guys. Look, uh testimony uh filed case number seven four seven nine four in the archives of the Mutual UFO network, MUFON. Uh and uh it says here UFOs have uh, been seen flying in and out of the underwater alien base, or they're calling it the alien base near Guantanamo Bay for almost fifty years, according to the bizarre claims of a former US Marine. The ex Marine has come forward to reveal that he and his comrades experienced in nineteen sixty eight to nineteen sixty nine while stationed at the Guantanamo uh, naval base. And uh not Shock me, like uh, the other guy here said, I've been hearing about this kind of stuff for a very very long time and uh, it, look, I'm Cuban and uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes around in Cuba that we don't know about here in the, in the States because they, you know, the embargo they don't, they don't want us to know anything that goes on in Cuba but UFO sightings in Cuba are, you know, something that we're going to find out eventually once the embargo is gone we're going to find out a lot of different stuff that uh, Castro might have been keeping secret including this uh, underground base Interesting stuff, huh? do you
5: think that maybe that these aren't UFO crafts, but they're military craft that are coming out of the water? Could be. The speed
4: that they're supposedly traveling in um, is a problem for it to be uh, man-made. Not not necessarily.
3: No, no, not necessarily. Look, let's go back. Let's go all the way back to Germany, right? Okay. Let's go all the way back to the Hanabu project and all the stuff that the Germans supposedly were working on. Uh, Once, uh, you know, the war was over, we took Werner von Braun and all their scientists to the U.S. Do you think uh, there could be a chance that maybe some of that technology ended up in Cuba's hands? Somehow? Not likely because they you all never know.
4: All the tech all the technology went to the Antarctic, not to Cuba.
3: No, but maybe some of it did, because look, they're a communist country. They were in league with uh, communist uh, Nazi uh, regimes. regime with the Russians. And
4: Nazis are two totally different Yes,
3: things. but they were in league with the Russians or in league with a lot of okay, different Okay, so things. wait, me, wait, me,
4: wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that dude do, do you know your World War II history? The mm. Russians fought against the I Nazis.
3: understand all that, but the Russians and Cuba have relations, right? for many years. Also,
5: we're talking there about has a, been a, hold on. There
3: has been crashes in Russia. We've seen videos of this thing. We've seen reports of of these things. Russia has also their own crash sightings, their own crashes that's happened over the years. Who is not to say that some of that stuff did not end up in Cuba somehow and maybe just maybe the Nazis are still some kind of somehow involved because like you said some of that went to the uh, to the North Pole or Arctic wherever they they ended up uh, hiding out in Who's not to say they're not using the underwater bases? Hmm. Hell
5: oh, absolutely. I mean, look, we, we all know the Nazis. Did you say Hell Hydra? Because it's, it literally was an operation that we took the Nazi scientists and we brought them over here. We didn't do that to give them nice lives. We did that right. to say, whatever you made for Hitler, you're not going to make for us. That's why we Correct. brought them over here. So, yeah. I mean, and that too, and I mean, just forget, I mean, we're talking about a U.S. Guantanamo Bay is a U.S. naval base. So mm-hmm. anything coming out of the water around there very well might be. A U.S. spacecraft Or, or mean, there. it could be yeah. UFOs And we just know about it And we just let them fly around I mean But this is an excellent place to do it Because like you said Cuba, Embargo Anytime anybody talks about Guantanamo Bay They're talking about prisoners They're not talking about UFOs Nobody's right. looking no, no, at
3: Guantanamo Bay None that Everybody spends a whole You know a lot of time Talking about Area 51 Nobody talks right. about Guantanamo Bay Concerning alien spacecrafts Or technologies that might be oh. You know worked on out there Nobody's talking about that kind of stuff
6: That's right. right.
3: But we have heard, I've I've heard literally reports about this for at least a decade now. So finally seeing it reported on a website as DailyMail.co.uk, I mean, that's uh, pretty interesting. The Daily Mail is reporting this stuff. So it gives a little bit more credence to uh, the rumors, I think.
5: It does. Hmm. It does. It does. That's interesting. Very, very – and I like that we're talking – or I guess we're seeing a little bit more in the news now about the UFOs that are coming out of the ocean. I find that really fascinating. We've got to get a guest on to talk about that because I find that really, really fascinating. Yep. Even more oh. so about them coming out of the sky, that they're coming out of somewhere under the ocean because the ocean is scary. Like, the you know, ocean scary. is very scary. Well, yeah, I think they, the, they're they're this-
4: you know, that was a great movie. So, you know,
5: that,
3: that, that was the story. story awesome. There. This would oh, yeah. be, uh, they would be considered USOs, though, not UFOs. So that's one correction because they're under sea optics Correct. coming out of there. Yeah. There's, uh, a, now, there's
5: a, a designation for the underground alien water bases. That could bases be a Nick Redfern guy.
3: That could be, yeah.
4: What about
5: Nick? What?
3: Never mind. Over Never your head. Uh, next that story Nick here.
2: could be the guy on USOs to talk about. Yes. He's talked about that before. Yes, yeah. now
3: uh, yeah. let's move on to the next story here guys Because we only have a few minutes uh, before we've got to hit break uh, Since we started a little bit late here uh, The Dead Sea Scrolls uh, supposedly are revealing That Noah's Ark was shaped like a pyramid
5: That's awesome I love now, Dead Sea Scrolls I love everything about the Dead Sea Scrolls
3: According to a reading from a newly digitized Fragment of the Dead Sea Scrolls Noah's Ark was something different than what is currently believed. Of course, we all have this image of, oh, it was a giant ship that housed all these different animals. We had a place for pandas. We had a place for for bears, for regular bears. We had a place for lions. We had a place for monkeys. We had a place for chimpanzees and baboons. Separated them. You know, we had a place for all these different animals. Of course, no place for dinosaurs, because who the hell wants to bring dinosaurs along, right? Nobody wants to bring them along. <laughs> They're just killing I just, everybody. I, I just thought they missed the boat. I think
2: it was a blood bank. I think they took, like, a blood bank, a DNA thing, and yeah, had it That's,
3: right. what, that's what, what I would think. I thought That Noah's would make arc. more sense than actually having a bunch of animals on a boat.
5: Yeah, I'm no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not buying the whole animals on a rickety yeah. boat more than I'm buying, that a whole bunch of slaves built the pyramids. Sorry, y'all. Now, don't
3: buy it. Check this out. It says, Noah's Ark was something different than what's currently believed. The 2,000-year-old text may be proof that the Ark was actually shaped like a pyramid. Over 50 years ago, a stone-thrown in... a uh, Bedouin shepherd uh, into a cave led to what some have called the greatest archaeological discovery of the 20th century, and it did not include Indiana Jones, by the way. Uh, it says here, it's heard the stone cracked open uh, in an earth jar. Uh, upon investigating, uh, he found that the first of what came to be known as the Dead Sea Scrolls, as everybody knows the Dead Sea Scrolls already, uh, when all the scrolls and fragments were sorted out, they accounted for about 800 manuscripts, about one quarter, or just about 200 manuscripts or copies uh, of of these portions are in Hebrew text, which maybe the other guy knows how to read. I don't know. Uh, yes, now, do. after almost five years of a laboratory established uh, by the Israel. Antiquities Authority, as part of the uh, Leon Levy Dead Sea Scrolls Digital Library Project, has scanned tens of thousands of these fragments from the scrolls with the uh, custom-made camera. Each fragment was photographed 28 times in high resolution using wavelengths of lights. Sophisticated technology enabled researchers to read letters and words that were previously illegible. You can read them. Some of these newly digitized fragments offered new interpretations of the well-known biblical stories, and this included a pyramid-shaped Ship and that's not awesome. a regular ship. So interesting stuff. Again, you can go to ancient uh, dash origins dot net if you want to read you that's know the, the rest of this article. That's a great site, by the way. Great, great website. And uh, interesting. that's interesting as heck. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it. I mean, why else the pyramid shape, right?
5: Exactly. I mean, well, exactly. Then there's a, there's a lot of really interesting interesting conversations about one of my most famous people who you know talk about what the pyramids used for is christopher dunn and i actually got the opportunity to interview him a couple of years ago um on one of my shows and he i mean he he looked at it from the perspective of an engineer and some of the things that he has to say about the pyramids just from the perspective of being an engineer is really really fascinating like you just wish you could go and turn these things on and make them do what they were actually supposed to do because they're not tombs everybody let everybody Mm -hmm. know
3: Right, 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 right. Uh, look, this is, uh, it, it makes perfect sense to me uh, if some, you know, if the, if the pyramids are what Noah used, if, if there was an arc at all, it would make perfect sense that there would be pyramid shape or some kind of shape like that. It, it's a huge, huge construction, okay, wait a minute, right? wait a minute.
4: If the flood happened, how does the pyramid help stay afloat? How does the shape of a
3: pyramid help it stay afloat? Well, oh, if I had all the answers to the world, I'd be the king.
4: But you, yes. you're just yeah, but
3: you're just arbitrarily saying, hey, it must have been a pyramid. No, it, it, it makes sense because of the the size of the structure, you could house so it's many different so people and animals and all and kinds of things in there.
2: I thought they found the ark or something like that in Mount Ararat. Mount
3: Ararat, in yeah. No. Ararat. Well, they they yeah. found a boat. They found a boat.
4: They, a they boat. found a okay, boat. Okay, how did it get all? How
2: did it get all? There. Even where it was depicted, which even is it said question. In the Bible, in that in that general area, and it just well, if I had all the
3: answers, Chris, I'd be the king. <laughs> I'm just, right, I'm but just bringing you those, those up all.
5: Stories, you know, and then yeah. if you believe that a pyramid is actually a structure that can actually project energy, then who's to say you just don't park the pyramid somewhere in the desert, put up a force field and whatever with your flood. When the waters exactly. recede, I'll be. Guys, we're going to
3: hit break in a second here, but uh, coming up after break, we're going to have Rich Hoffman of MUFON. He's the state director of Alabama's MUFON chapter. He's a, been a ufologist for over 52 years.
5: Oh, good lord! Long time. He's got these
6: stories. I can't
0: oh read. man, and uh, he's dad. doing
3: a pre- the check out. He's doing a presentation at the MUFON Symposium next month. Uh, so we're gonna have a good time with uh, Rich Hoffman, guys. Please stick around. This is Skywatchers Radio, and uh, we'll be right back. Four thousand seven hundred
0: thirty-four UFO sightings in two thousand seven. 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by american and british citizens downloadable information from the largest selection of ufo products on the internet by going to the or call on the 24-hour 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there and the ufostore.com has it.
2: and more.
0: SupermanHomePage.com Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer,
3: but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow, now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio. From TalkStream Live, now
1: available in the iTunes App Store.
0: That's 954-973-3374 Or visit KeyInformation.com George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fella. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than... Adequate.
6: Here's a
2: riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more.
3: All right, everybody, welcome back to Sky Watchers Radio right here live on psn-radio.com. And as promised with us right now is Rich Hoffman. He's the state director of the Alabama chapter of MUFON. He's been a ufologist for 52 years, and uh, he's doing a presentation next month, like I said, at the symposium, which me and Crystal are going to go to and the other guys going to go to, sadly. Chris is not going to be there. <laughs> no,
2: Unfortunately Chris. for Chris, no. poor Chris, he won't for you be there. You guys just send me that money. Come on, man. <laughs> He's no.
5: dying no. to be there. No, 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 no. But All of our listeners need to start to send Chris to the Mufon go- show. We need, we need a
3: GoFundMe account for Chris just to get him out there. Yeah, to come do. on, man. But we're going to have a blast out there. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, I've been you know, dying to uh, get involved with Move on and uh, do a lot of work with, with you folks. Uh, Rich, it's a pleasure to have you on the show here, my friend. Thank you so much for being here with us on Skywatchers.
1: Hey, no, that's great. I'm looking forward to it.
3: Now, um, you've been a ufologist for 52 years. I didn't even know the term ufologist or ufology really existed that long. Um, What got you involved in ufology? What sparked it? (laughs) Interesting.
1: Well, it's an interesting story. I I was uh, late for an eighth grade science class, and I had to do a 10-minute presentation on a subject that was on a list. The only thing that nobody signed up for by the time that I got into the classroom was UFOs. So I went up after class and I said to my science teacher, I said, what is a UFO? And he said, it's an unidentified flying object. Have you heard of that? No. Have you heard of flying saucers? Yes. Go read about it. (laughs) So I did. And I, I, but I wasn't really that much interested. I thought it was just a bunch of uh, just bunk. And and I really didn't, you know, think that there was anything to it. And uh, well, I, Science fiction movies and everything else were pretty popular. So I, I uh, did a limited amount of work on my, my little ten-minute presentation that I had to give, and I basically said something like, you know, well, surely if there was like something to it. The Air Force would be telling us about them, you know, and um, leave this to say when I my teacher started asking me a whole bunch of questions. I couldn't answer any of them. He was talking about jet pursuits. He was talking about a whole bunch of other things, and he was pretty interested in the subject. Well, and that that kind of like, I got my D on that report that day, and I went <laughs> home in the evening and watched, watched Walter Cronkite, uh, on you know, eventually like on the news, and and uh, and he was talking about the Socorro, New Mexico case, uh, Socorro, New Mexico case, and in in, in, in Lottie Zamora I'd seen a, a police officer had seen this object that was out right, in right. Uh, this Mesa area. And anyway, that story was a pretty incredible story. and It involved, like, you know, uh, burn, burned effects uh, around the site, landing uh, impressions, footprints, and, and all this other stuff. I'm going, like, wow, that's pretty interesting. So couple days later I went to, uh, my aunt came over and said she would like to take you know, she wanted to go with me to a bookstore and, and I went to a bookstore and I thought well, let me go see if like, there's something in that UFO section. And so I picked up the uh, report on unidentified flying objects by former head of Project Blue Book, Captain Edward Ruppelt. And I read that thing from front to cover probably within just a day because it was so interesting. Well, little did I know uh, that the Project Blue Book was just up the street from me because I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, wow. And, uh, so when you put, when I began realizing, when I began realizing that Wright Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, where I was living was the head of the air force project. that just like, you know, imagine a 13 year old kid just, I just ate it up. I just went crazy. So, that that led me into it, and I and I it was kind of like the the forerunner, and then I the next thing you know is I couldn't get enough uh, information. You know, I just kept reading and reading. By age fifteen, I was giving lectures around the city of Dayton. Uh, I was on Phil Donahue's show in Dayton, Ohio, uh, and then I was uh, next thing you know I was like uh, a hit around Dayton, and everybody was wanting to call me about sightings and this type of stuff. So. It just went on from there, and, and I
3: haven't Hi, stopped and- since. You know, it's funny. I, I always find it amusing because it happened to me as a kid also in, in school, uh, reading you know, UFO-related books at the library and stuff, and I always find it funny that schools actually had these books, considering you know, the subject matter and how kind of kooky it was you know, for, for school to have this kind of stuff. Uh, was it easily accessible in your school when you were a kid back then?
1: Yeah, in fact, I worked in the library. <laughs> oh, no kidding. <laughs> is it easy? So, yeah, I volunteered in the library after that. And, yeah, I was like uh, absorbing all that stuff that was in there. I mean, it was just really fascinating stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, there were just a lot of, a lot of people who had written a lot of excellent books on the subject, uh, you know, and, and Donald Kehoe's book, uh, from Nine Cap was is one of those, and a number of others. And, uh, I just, like I said, I got really hooked on them and, and went from there.
5: That is fantastic. Now, how did you wind up with MUFON?
1: Well, that's kind of an interesting story too. I mean, I, when I'm growing up in Dayton, Ohio, and I, like, you know, I told you, I was like, relatively young. I mean, in 1965, there was a huge flap of sightings that were going on in, in, around the country. And I was kind of got started to get phone calls about the sightings that were going on. And then, uh, and then over a period of time, I would be out on actual cases and I would be investigating and I would be sitting next to a Project Blue Book officer who's doing the same case. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I would be out there now inter- interacting with the, uh, with the Air Force people on it. And, and they were kind enough to be able to give me all kinds of like uh, leads and various other things on cases. I could actually contact them if I wanted to get radar data from the, uh, radar approach control. And so I had started to, you know, basically, uh, also to pull people together. Uh, and there was a, uh, an organization that we, me and, uh, some others got in, uh, got started. And I was actually the director of investigations for called the Ohio UFO investigators league. And we, we had started to, to do investigations. Uh, and then, uh, I, I heard about a Midwest UFO network that was started Uh and that came up in 1969. And this was at the time when project blue book was closing. Uh And I, then what I did is I went and I, I contacted them and, and then basically signed up to be a part of them and, that's the forerunner to the Mutual UFO Network when it changed its name. So I was actually in it at the very beginning uh, when it got started.
5: So That's you have been out yeah. there that long investigating uh-huh. UFOs. I need, like, all the stories, just all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that much time, Crystal. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> this a lot. Well, I hope you've right. yeah,
1: right. you a long radio thing.
3: Yeah, we're going to be here for for quite some time there, uh, Rich, talking about all the stories. Let's let's actually uh, not talk about all the stories, but give us, you know, overall, like, the best case that you've worked on. Which is the one that stands out the most? Well, I mean, gosh, there's so many. Let me me
1: just give you one, okay? I mean, this was, you know, everybody goes through a situation where they have an aha moment, you know? Give me the most undeniable
4: evidence. Sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, and, and, you know, this was in the 70s, and, and, uh, this was our, our at the time when the, uh, the UFO flap was going on in 73, and of course we are uh-huh. getting pummeled, uh, with sightings and, and trying to keep up with all the hundreds that were coming in almost a week, you know, in Dayton. Uh, but, but one case stands out because it, it's, it's the one that I, I once said, oh my god, this is incredible. So I was working with the, the state director, uh, at the time, uh, for MUFON, and I was actually the state section director, and I was actually called in on a uh, full-blown investigation that was going on in Carrollton, Ohio. And what it amounted to was that, that the night before, there had been a large number of sightings around this gentleman's farm uh, area, and the next morning, he comes out and he's, and he's finding uh, a 70-foot-in-diameter uh, perfect circular area in the middle of his uh, wheat field where there's no wheat any longer uh and so you know me and uh, several other people went to do the investigation and lay out the grids and do all that wonderful stuff we spent a long time on it but i mean literally what you got there was a central uh, picture of this okay so you have a wheat field there's no, nothing that leads into the middle of the field. There are no, no indications of bringing heavy equipment or anything like that. And there's no tracks of anything coming into it. And then you come in, you, you find this area where there's, uh, there's no wheat uh, in, in, this, in this huge diameter of an area. That would be a problem and, for a
3: wheat field, no wheat. And that's a problem.
1: Well, it sure would. <laughs> yeah. and, it's, it, and so you have a central depression area in the soil as though something in the center has set down. And then you've got, if you go out in any direction out to that 70-foot perimeter, you, you see in that within the same uh, circular area, as you, if you were to measure around it, as you expanded that circle and got out of it, you'd see that there was like two feet below the ground if there's no wheat. And then as you progressively move to the outside, you start to see a little bit of roots. And then you get out to the outer perimeter, and you find a little chute that's sticking up. And then you see a little bit beyond that, and you start to see a rotational pattern. And then beyond that, you have puff wheat. And and then you have microwave radiation being uh, being discovered by our detectors. You find no unusual soil uh, unusual soil conditions. And you're standing in the middle of this, and you're saying like, "Aha!" You know, <laughs> it's kind of like what would do this and what could do this, and you, your mind goes crazy because you really can 't come up with any rational explanation as to how would you produce the same effect if you were going to try to do it in one night so that for me was kind of like my aha moment because you again you start to realize that there's this physicality associated with this stuff and it is affecting. Uh, ground soil and everything else and you're saying like that, that's pretty incredible so to me that was that was my aha moment um and you know and then it goes on from there because I could, like i said i could keep you the rest of the night with some of the cases i've looked into and then you're going to be down with me in florida so you'll hear about the aguadilla case which mm-hmm. spent two years investigating
3: and that's a that's a pretty incredible case
1: now that happened so, when, I mean, in 2013
3: that's when on. that happened Sorry? That happened. That happened in 2013, right? The Agudia case, the homeless security case.
1: Yeah, I was, yeah, that was in 2013. Uh, by the way, I just just after that was a case that I was investigating in Mississippi, where it was a pilot who was flying along, and uh, a an object came up underneath the winging of his Cessna aircraft at about 2,000 feet uh, altitude, and he was going about you know 150 miles an hour, and uh, this was in the uh, Kentucky, Mississippi area. And uh incredible case, you know, and I was like so psyched and then we actually got radar data which validated the fact that there was something that was dancing around his uh, plane. Right. Wow. And you know, and so we had that radar as well, but but right before that, there was the case that was going on in uh, in Aguadilla, well, actually north of Aguadilla in at the Rafael Hernandez Airport that uh was pretty incredible and that was the, uh, nine o'clock, at, towards the nine o'clock in the evening, you're starting to get, uh, 40 radar tracks, uh, of an object that's dancing around and at one point in, within one radar track, it, it goes over a thousand miles an hour and stops. Um, but you got this radar kind of like return that's going on out northwest of the airport. And then you have a, a pilot who's driving in a car heading toward the uh, the airport, and he happens to look up, and he's seeing this pinkish-red light, if you would, that's, that's above the airport, but it's uh, low, and it's out a little bit further, he thought, that was a little bit beyond the airport, but he didn't know where it was for sure. Um, anyway, so he contacts the, uh, the, uh, the, I guess, somebody at the base, whether he contacted the tower, we don't know, but he, he, he contacts them. And, re- and says that he's seeing this, and so somebody's been alerted to the fact that they're up there. Well, at the same time, uh, at about 15 minutes out later, you've got uh, a customs border protection aircraft. It's a Dash 8 aircraft uh, that is taking off towards the northeast off of the runway, uh, and as he's beginning his you know, ascent and he's starting to get higher, he now looks out the window and he's seeing that there's a light and, and this reddish pinkish light, you know, that we were talking about. And he just doesn't, I mean, that shouldn't have been there. I mean, why did you give me a clearance? You know, right. Nothing on the track. And, you know, and, and here I am now going up and seeing that there's an object. And so he contacts the control tower and says, you know, Hey, look, I'm seeing an object that's out here. Uh, uh, and you know, being the fact that their mission is to look for smugglers and various other things, mm-hmm. I mean, they they, they, they assumed that they, they would just keep their eyeball on this thing. So they so they flew around in a huge circular, uh, counterclockwise circular area and went out. And you know, actually toward, and they were actually out as far as the uh, where the uh, the tracks were being picked up, all in on this one given area. Well, the, again, the tracks were gone by this point they, they weren 't detecting it now this light comes in and it 's closer uh, it 's coming in from the, the north, the direction of the general direction of where this thing was and it 's uh, now moving toward the airport. so they make this big, huge circular uh, move around the airport, and as they 're coming around towards the the southern part of it, uh, the light goes out and they They've got a uh, infrared uh or thermal camera on board and so they uh flipped that on. it's uh, a Westcam MX uh fifteen camera and uh it's got, you know, some press head capabilities to it. But bottom line was that they turned that camera on and began recording uh this object and they were doing that manual tracking. They weren't doing it by automatic tracking, which is unfortunate. And then the other thing is that their laser target illuminator was turned off and so what you have to use is the laser finder that they got which is basically the, the little middle target area uh and you're you're now picking up the line of sight so where that shows uh, on the display you'll see that there's a display on the screen as you watch this thing you'll see the aircraft's GPS coordinates at the same time you'll be seeing the uh, the the what you think is it's recording the target, but it's actually recording the ground that it's bouncing up from. But anyway, so bottom line is that you're looking at line of sight through that. But they track this thing for, uh, on this video, for about three minutes and 54 seconds. Huh. And, um, and so they, they, uh, what they see is this object then that appears to have come around the airport and make one loop. Uh, uh, and then goes out back to almost where it was coming in from the water, and it seems to now be going along the water line, and then you see it kind of like go into the water, and now you still see it moving underneath the water, and then a little bit later it pops up a little bit and then kind of like, goes out a little bit and the next thing you know is it comes back up and it starts to get really really intensely black well they have the settings for the camera the thermal camera with black being hot and white being cold and so the the colder uh things look white and hotter things look black well this thing gets really intensely black and then it splits into two identical objects that are now moving above the water, and, uh, and then one veers off away from the other one, and then you see it kind of like go and disappears under the water, you think, and then the, for a short time later, this other thing goes under the water. Well, after you've seen that, and you've now captured this on a military camera, I mean military camera quality, Pick a camera, they they had to go on with their mission by the way that evening and they did and uh, then when they got back they figured well what do I do what, what do we do with this you know and uh,
5: right. they got it
1: and, and so they they kind of passed it up to their higher headquarters which didn't seem to appeal to have any interest with it and they didn't get any uh, any resistance from them doing anything with it which is interesting and uh, they. Somebody either told them or they chose to go to Air Force Intelligence and say, "Well, let me report it to them." And so they sent the copy of the video to the Air Force Intelligence group, and they, they basically said, "Well, we're not into UFOs anymore, so so get a hold of uh, a UFO group." And um, oh, okay. so that's pretty much what they, that's pretty much what they did. They referred them to a UFO group. So and then huh. these guys started to think about, well, how do I pass this? information out and who should we go to and uh, eventually they got a hold of somebody that we all know it's one of the team members uh, and they made contact and said well who do we check with and and then they kind of started talking and they said that we want to keep this out really want to keep it out of the the UFO group area we would like to have this scientifically looked at but we need to come to you because we've never seen anything like this before. So they came to uh, one of us, and, and then eventually we got a copy of it. And then we spent two years, every week, uh, analyzing seven thousand twenty-seven frames.
5: Wow!
2: Wow! That's oh, a that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah, and I'm talking. There's like, you know, there's like six of us, so. We're, we're having weekly meetings looking, I mean, analyzing every pixel on every one of these frames, deducing where it went, uh, how close it was to something, to what the temperature was of that object and, and any other kinds of details that you can get from looking at infrared. And I've, uh, trust me, I have learned considerably amount of information considerable amount of information about infrared emissivity and a whole host of other things that I have never known in my life but anyway I was one of the uh, I, I was one of the people on the team and uh, and then basically we ended up publishing our one hundred and sixty two page paper uh, on the, our analysis and what that analysis came up with so that's kind of like it in a nutshell, and anybody wants to go out and see it can go look at it. It's at explore, E-X-P-L-O-R-E, S-C-U, Scientific Coalition for Ufology, dot O-R-G. And we've got the, the video clip posted up there. We've got the radar information and our papers up there. And we're trying to encourage uh, scientific review, and we've been able to get the French to take a look at it, uh, the French uh, CNES, which is NASA over there, Mm-hmm. And they're more open to UFO investigations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had re- we've had refusals from other organizations, and you certainly can't get any cooperation in the United States. So there you no, go. None. Yeah,
3: it, which mm-hmm. doesn't shock me that you can't get any cooperation. I mean, that's uh, you know part of the uh, the embargo, the truth embargo, as uh, our good friend Stephen Bassett would say. Uh, that, you know, it it always boggles my mind, though, uh, Rich, uh, when uh, when somebody uh, from the government, uh, you know anybody from the government comes forward with any kind of, of, of you know, story, the sightings or anything like that, considering the truth embargo itself, have you found any resistance uh, in, in some of the stuff that you've worked on within the government? Have you, anybody come knocking at your door and told you to stop where you guys are researching, like sp- especially something like this?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, and that's, let me tell you, I've been on radio, I, I, when I was growing up in Dayton and I was into this, right, I uh-huh. was literally at, I was attacking the Air Force investigation, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, you You would think that I'd have somebody that was, what, was shutting me up, or uh, right, my, right, The closest right. thing, I, the, the closest thing that I came to it uh, was, I was on a radio show once, so I think we were getting a pretty touchy subject, and then suddenly the, the radio station went dead, <laughs> But was that an back Art back Bell show?
3: Because, was it with Art Bell because he's known to have that happen to him?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, well, the, anyway, so the, the radio station went dead and we finally came back up on the air and we were able to continue a little bit. But that's as close as I've ever had it. And, you know, guys, I I mean, it's, what's interesting to me is, is here I am after 52 years. I was around the uh, Project Blue Book, right? I was talking right. with Project Blue Book people. I was talking, I think I talked with uh, Major Hector Quinnella. I mean, oh okay. I, I got yep. that a lot of people that I was dealing with out at the base, and you know I found them to be very friendly. I, in fact, I ended up going and giving a UFO lecture over right where FTD and the Foreign Technology Division is, and and, uh, and where Project Blue Book was on the subject of UFOs, and uh, yeah, was fascinated with that. But I mean, it got a lot of great cases, by the way, there too. I uh, might add, but. It, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is I've never run into that. Uh, I've not, and and you know, Project Blue Book was under the Air Force Material Command, right? And I don't know if you guys know it, but I work at the Army Material Command. I'm a uh, I'm an IT contractor. Right. If you right. go and you look at my cube, it's all decorated in UFO paraphernalia and everything else. Uh, other than you know, a slight interest on the part of a lot of people and people that, that you know. You know, they really could care less what I'm doing, but but I mean that's about it. Nobody seems to give a hang about the, the UFO subject, and I work in the IT world with them. I'm I I'm work in classified systems and stuff like that. But I mean, I, you know, I honestly don't see any interest whatsoever. So I mean, to me, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I guess there's nobody interested. But um, why, why do you think that is? though?
3: Why do you think there's uh, no interest, are, or are they just not the right people that are you know just not the right people that are interested?
1: Well, you you know, I mean, I, you, know, you can speculate all you want. I think that that largely the government is out of the and 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 it's mostly if you're looking at where anything like this is going on, it would be in in uh, defense contractors. I think you True. know, Lockheed I Martin mean, whoever, and places like that, I mean, and uh, yeah, and that's where the research is going on, and, and that's why the government right, can right. say that they don't know anything about it, and it's why it's you know, and a FOIA request that you put in can't go and get them because it gets it's going to go to a company. It's not right. going to go to a company. Right, right. So you-, you know, it we have ways of hiding our secrets. By the way, I, of course, uh, yeah. And the defense, I have to sign you know all kinds of like agreements on national security. So there's so many blasted security ways of things uh, you know you have to do, and, and most of it you know it's innocent. It's, it's about just trying to protect the Chinese from having the same you know uh, stuff that we do. I mean, or, or getting that. And every day the DoD is being hit by you know just unbelievable amount of hacks that are trying to be attempted. So I mean, it they're doing their best to be able to protect our you know, our national interests at the same time. You know something like this that that was going on has probably been pushed out to industry and it's their way mm-hmm. of keeping it quiet and we can't find anything else, right?
3: I mean, do you, do you uh, believe that Roswell was an actual alien ship that crashed and we back-engineered uh, the ship and we've had possession of, uh, you know, different crash sites, uh, different ships? And, and Do you believe uh, all those different uh, accounts and stories? Without a doubt. Okay. Now my next question is, uh, if that's the case – uh, other countries, I'm sure, have had you know their their fair share of crashes and uh, perhaps you know encounters with aliens and our back engineering stuff also. Yeah, and, and they
1: and they likely have. I right. I, was, I was living in Dayton, Ohio, and in Cincinnati was Len Springfield. And Len Springfield was the guy who was looking into all these crash retrievals.
6: Mm-hmm. and
1: and him and and him and I were talking but he's one of the ones that early on got the whole interest in the whole crash kind of thing going on but uh anyway the, the, the gist of what i'm trying to tell you is there he started to document around the world cases of crashes and uh, okay. there are quite quite a number of these crashes and and really? you know one could ar- one could actually argue that you know that whole thing about the, that came out of the nazi world uh, you know, and there were Nazi craft that were being mm-hmm. built and everything else that that were
3: lo- trying to look like it.
1: Well, they would probably had a crash that they got, and they were trying to re- re-engineer it as well.
3: Yeah, you and, know, it's uh, funny, Rich, it, it, because that's kind of been like my theory uh, for a long time, at least for the last uh, 10 years uh, when it deals with Roswell. I do think there was a crash at Roswell, but I think it was probably something that we – Back engineered, or we engineered based on Nazi technology. Remember, we had just inherited Werner von Braun. Tesla had just died, and he was working on a, a flying saucer type of ship, and uh, he, you know he had a lot of the schematics and stuff built. Uh, so a lot of this stuff we inherited, and what I think what happened at Roswell, and you know this has been covered by other folks, might have been a crash of a of a Nazi-like uh, ship that we built. And of course, with every test flight, every once in a while something's going to crash we, you know it's just going to go down until we perfect the technology. Do you think there's any credence to that at all that theory?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I know Annie Jacobson tried to like put that in the area fifty one book that she wrote about it, you know, and so it's it's a situation there where I, I just don't i really don't tend to believe that that that's what it was and and I'll, let me go to this point, okay. So you have the Horton brothers, and they're trying to build stealth aircraft, and it was all out of wood, right? Right. And then you you have a whole bunch of people saying that they're finding metal that is is unlike any metal we've ever seen, okay? I mean, we're talking about metal that bends and, and you know, you You can't cut it and it goes back. Well, that's not what the Horton brothers, they were working on a wood thing. They were trying to be able to not be picked up on radar and become stealth, right? So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Now, let's, let's, let's break break for a second, and I brought this up before, too, is that Battelle Memorial Institute, which is a defense contractor, has uh, worked all the time with Project Blue Book and, and early on, uh, and it's been uh, there for a long time. Uh, they played a role, and in fact, you can find documents uh, that were basically talking about a memory metal or a memory-shaped metal that, that was going on, and guess what? So you find out that right around the 60s or so, the Naval Ordnance Lab is now coming up with a thing called nitinol, which is nickel titanium alloy, the shape memory alloy. And guess what? It's it's precisely the same kind of thing that it does. It's precisely
3: the same thing you find at Roswell. That's interesting. That's interesting.
5: That's very interesting.
3: How much technologies do you think came out of Roswell? Because I know a lot of people talk about you know microwave technology, fiber optics, uh, things like that. I mean, uh, how many technologies do you think we have actually come out of Roswell? Well,
1: I mean, I, I guess I guess what I would say that there's quite probably quite a bit. I know that. It, you can people reject corso philip corso but i think he was extremely a, a an extremely bright man uh and he worked in Agreed. the intel yep. world and he he's he's the one that you know allegedly passed out all this debris that was was brought up from the at Pen- the pentagon under general trudeau and that that he was claiming that that stuff was all passed out well there's no proof for it but let me let me also inject that, that there, i mean I work over at the Redstone Arsenal and the Missile and Space Intelligence Center is over there and they, they're re-engineering stuff that we find out on the battlefield and I've seen kind of things that they got, they go on and they look at, they unbuckle every screw and every, turn everything and look at everything and tear it completely apart and 98 mm. Sunday. And so any debris that you get from something like this would have been used and placed into some sort of, like, uh how can we reuse this? What can we do with it? And so the null is just one small example of where you could claim that, well, quite possibly that is from Roswell, and that debris is doing that. And then the other part of that would be that, you know, I'm sure that, you know, if you do have an alien craft or something like that were from here, it wouldn't work the way you'd think, and you'd have to figure out how to do something with it. And we might you know, not have been able to figure that out. Or maybe we have. Maybe the uh the triangle shaped objects are 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 uh alien uh are are us, basically things that we've been able to build from that technology.
5: Huh. Let me ask, let me sneak in a quick question because he said something, I don't want to forget it. You you mentioned earlier that there have been alien crashes kind of all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my question to that would be, has there been a specific time frame that you've noticed in your research where it seemed to happen and is it still happening?
1: Um, Well, that's an interesting question. Number one, uh, I know that Len Stringfield, who who passed away in 19, I believe, 1984, uh, he had collected something over 200 cases. And I, they're not all around a certain time period. They're kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they're over a period of history. I mean, it just, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Although you do have to admit that a lot of these things were right around the early, you know, or late 40s uh, and early 50s. And then you have to sit back and say, well, what could that be? And, and then a lot of speculation here, but, uh, we were, we were getting into radar at the time and some of these things are cranked up to incredible, uh, uh, you know, power. Uh, and there was a belief that some of that might have been interrupting, uh, some of these objects, their, uh, systems, whatever they use to fly. Um, so that might explain some of the reason why you have like things like the Aztec, New Mexico, you have uh, Kingman uh, crash, you have and all those seem to be in the southwestern part of the United States, and that's where radar was being initially put in place.
3: Yeah, I've heard that before, the radar uh, actually is bringing these things down, or a lot of these things down, which you would think they could travel intergalactically into, you know, uncharted parts of the universe, but radar knocks them out of the air. That's kind of bizarre.
5: That's really interesting. Yep. I, I wish I knew more yep. about the technology to kind of understand why that would happen.
1: Well, you and me both. I, I wish <laughs> you yeah. knew, uh, I knew like be- 52 years, and I could explain how they fly, but unfortunately, I can't, and neither can many other people. Uh, we, when you have an object that can that can go one direction and immediately reverse its direction, I mean, uh, well, we, how do you do that? And we, we, you know, you have to overcome inertia to be able to do that, I and mean, especially I have alleged beings. That, think the vast majority of these things are actually uh uavs or they're they're not they're like drones or like our uh, they're not piloted but anyway the the ones that would be would be having pilots and then that that suddenly are are dead you know if, if we were in them so you have to overcome a lot of like uh that type of thing as well to be able to deal with inertia and and then you have to have something that you know, how do you have one of these things go from a standstill position to fifty thousand miles per hour in under three seconds? Right. And you're sitting there saying, and and, and there's no kind of like repulsive force that's knocking you to the ground. You know, right. You know, right. You know, what? How does that work? Uh, I mean,
3: how would be how would we be able to pilot one of these things, uh, given that fact? I mean. How do, how do human bodies would be able to react to that? I mean, I guess we would have to have some kind of anti-gravity uh, field inside the, of these things, right? Um, yeah, well, we, we can, you know, the interesting thing about it is if you look
1: at the abduction cases that are claimed, I mean, uh, there really isn't much of anything seen on board these things except things like chairs, rooms, screens. It's not like you go down and see Scotty's uh, engine with the lithium crystal in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, and we don't see anything like that. So, I mean, so consequently, it's like, it looks like they're pretty empty. And you're sitting there saying, like, well, what's the force that's propelling that, you know, and
5: and where's it at?
1: Uh, I don't know. And then when you have reports today of objects that are the size of, you know, of a a softball, uh, how do I deal with that? It's making intelligent maneuvers. I mean, and, and and it looks like you can actually practically see through it. It's almost like it's transparent. So how, how how do I deal with that? So you get you have objects that are disappearing in front of witnesses. You have objects that are appearing in front of witnesses. You have objects that are basically there one minute and then they shoot out of existence in in time and space the way we think of it. Um, you know, when a plane goes out of our sight, it's still existing. I mean, it's it's going on and going to end up somewhere else, right? But These things just like they're they're a space time you know, singularity, and they exist for the moment in that space and that time, and then they're gone. That's what even Heineck said when he was doing his study. It's a, so we we deal with these things that we really can't understand, and, and it's it's almost like you know we're looking at ants and trying to I mean trying to have a talk to an ant and have a, see if if they could explain humans yeah. or if we can explain them you know and 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 i don't I don't understand the technology. I just know that that technology is probably something that we would be attempting to build which which would explain why you'd see aircraft designs that are suddenly more toward like the uFO uh, because we use that why do we build you know we have phones that were like the tricorders back in the in the t v shows so right. we're you know, and that's, I guess what, what I'm saying is, you know, who's leading who, um, if you look at the airship mystery back in the 1800s, people were seeing these things that they they called airships, and they were more like described as being balloons or dirigible kinds of things, you know, people right, with anchors right. and stuff like that, you know, what are they seeing, and, and then you look at later on, you get crew fighters, you get, uh, you have rockets, mysterious rockets that are up there, and people are describing them. And so you have these things throughout history that have always appeared in throughout every culture on the planet and have been recorded in, in, in recordings we've got that have been with us for all this time, and yet they seemingly take, take on a different kind of look and feel. And you almost like sit, sit back and say, are we being led somewhere? That's um, very interesting. You
3: know, it is because yeah, I mean, if we look it? at the last, if we look at the last thirty, forty years, I mean, the the saucer shape has really been the classic shape. But it wasn't that wasn't what Kenneth yeah. Arnold saw, for example. He saw more like a boomerang shape. But clean uh, enough, object. not any longer. Right. What's,
5: what's We're uh, getting more
1: spheres than we do anything
3: else?
5: Right, spheres, ob- objects glowing up around him. By a different species, like maybe boomerang is out, or are they just switching it up? I mean, I. Throwing it out there, I mean, have there been any? I don't know. I don't know if the, if the induction, abduction cases would maybe support this at all um, or anything like that. But I mean, that you're right. That is very interesting. That all of a sudden they're they're just changing their shape.
1: Yeah, uh, and then did, did it beg you beg to wonder. I mean, the, the descriptions of beings are all over the board. It's not everybody wants to believe that they're greys because they're all over the TV, right. or that they're uh, others, you know. But I'm sorry. If you take a look at the UFO history, and you and you actually track the, the types of beings, the beings at Kelly Hopkinsville that were being shot at didn't look anything like a gray. Uh,
5: you know, if Very you look
1: true. at yeah. uh, if you if you look throughout, so there's like so blasted many of these things that are just it's it's incredible, and you know you you say well I mean look even in Russia they had these. They, they saw robots that were rather large robots and more robotic, like if you would. And if you look at the beings that came out of uh, and picked up Charlie Hickson and Calvin Parker at Pascagoula, I mean, again, a different kind of being. It's not a gray. It's you know, what is it? I don't know. It looked more like a robot with some strange spikes out of its head. And and so we we have we have a phenomenon that that you know course the, the media is helping to shape it and to direct it over it. and now everybody has to talk about a gray, but I um, mean there, there's a phenomenon out there that goes beyond that. And even there's a phenomena that goes beyond, uh, like I said, the classic flying saucer. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's other phenomena out there that we're getting reports of. So what are these phenomena and are they related? Are they not related? Are they, are, are are we being visited because it's like we're the best place for a family vacation and let's just go see the idiot, you know, uh, intelligence people, <laughs> lack of intelligence people running around yeah. or what? Uh, in some cases you see that there's an intent behind them. You see them hanging over nuclear weapons facilities and, and, right. and causing all kinds of uh, effects on nuclear missile silos or, or on nuclear material, or they're looking for that. There's a strong interest and a concern. They're also at, at our detonations and hanging around in the skies and looking and watching and monitoring our detonations. So, you know, one would one would say logically that they've been around the planet for a very very long time, and the things that we're doing with these stupid nuclear devices impact them as well.
6: That's yeah, your question. A
1: that Let me ask not. a question.
3: Have Have you seen uh, the EBE alien video, the Mona Lisa alien video that showed up on, on YouTube and on the Internet a few years ago uh, that shows uh, the NASA astronaut um, looking at a cadaver supposedly found on the moon uh, on a ship that was found on the moon uh, in one of the Apollo missions?
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of, like, the the images that that, that people post up and and put up. I don't remember if I saw that exact one, uh, and I guess I'd have to to try to visualize it more. But I do have – I've seen a lot of these things. A good number of those things are reflections of objects that are within the the capsule themselves on the very thick windows that they've got on it. Right. Uh, And so I see a lot of that. You know, I, I'm I'm saying that you know, in order for you to be a, a good investigator, uh, you've got to be a little bit skeptical of every claim, right? And you need That's to true. really and in, in, in need to investigate it. And you know, and and so, you know, a lot of people don't do that thorough investigation and don't consider those factors. I mean, I I get every day I'm getting like people taking pictures of uh, airplane lens stuff. reflections. Right. Well, lens reflections. Lens reflections are so common now. Everybody's got a phone. They point it up toward the sun, or they point it toward the moon, or they got a brilliant street light, and they see uh, these blue, like round lights in their image, and they're sending us these and saying, "Well, it wasn't there when I was like looking." Uh, and look at this—it's a UFO, and we're saying no, it's—it's—it's it's, it's really a lens flare, and and so. We get so many of these, and we see the, the, the same ignorance on the part of a lot of people of knowing of anything about what's up in the sky. I mean, you, you can't believe how many times I've looked at the planet Venus all night from people pointing out that that was UFO. In Dayton, I had 30 people <laughs> pointing out the sky and telling me that that was a UFO and it was the planet Venus. So. We have a lot of ignorance about what's up in the sky. We have a lot of ignorance about even what drones look like or even advanced aircraft. Imagine some classified aircraft flying over that you've never seen before and people right. go, like, oh, my God, that, what was that? Um, so, you know, as a sky watcher, because that's what this show is you about, right. I, in, you know, and I, I spend my time over the 52 years looking for these things, but I've not really seen one myself. Um, but I've seen things that are all the time could be, uh, and people are claiming to be, I was sitting at a, uh, uh as 40 Chinese flares or Chinese uh, lanterns were being sent yeah. off and I, and I, and I looked jokingly at my wife and I said, well, guess what? I'm going to have a whole bunch of pro reports tonight.
3: And I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well no. the the reason i bring the uh the the one i the uh, video that i brought about i don't think you you understood the question uh the ebe the, this is an actual uh video that shows a ship on the moon itself uh then it shows an actual astronaut that was on an apollo mission looking over a body that was found on the on the ship that looks very humanoid. And part of the reason I bring this up is because my, you know, I have a theory here that one of the reasons that, you know, we have the popular gray alien being promoted by the media and one of the reasons we, you know, we've had Little Green Man and we have all these different weird-looking aliens is because the real secret is that The aliens look a lot like us, and the little green, little grays, all these little other beings are kind of like to distract us from the fact that maybe we are the aliens, and uh, they are us, we are them. We're all kind of like the same looking beings, even though those coming from the skies. Uh, this video is very intriguing. If you haven't seen it, Rich, I, I highly recommend you check it out. In one of the uh, pieces of footage, you can actually see the astronaut's face as he's messing around with a piece of camera work. And then you see the body laying on there. And, it, and it, for all intents and purposes, it looks almost like a Middle Eastern body laying on the table here. And this is uh, a, it looks like a very official NASA piece of footage. I mean, this looks very, very authentic from one of the Apollo missions in the mm-hmm. 70s.
1: Yeah, well, I hope that somebody's done some authenticity checking on it, but I I, know I haven't seen that, and it's really hard for me to even comment on it, but like I said, I've seen so blasted, I mean, you, you can't imagine how many videos and photos I've seen over 52
5: years. Oh, oh, I, yeah. I got a quick, quick question for for you, Rich, because you said something Go earlier, ahead. and I kind of want to briefly touch on it. You were talking about the, you know, the different species of aliens that you're getting reports of. It's not just little green men. It actually is a whole, the whole kind of spectrum. I mean, you even mentioned robots. I hadn't even heard about robots. That's crazy. So my question is: has, Is anybody doing? You know, is there any kind of push towards maybe determining? You know, the ones that come out of the ocean might be the robots versus you know the ones that are in the boomerangs might be this, that, and the other. I don't know if you could collaborate. You know, witness. You know, witness testimony with maybe abduction stories or anything like that. But is anybody kind of doing that to maybe see where the different races are coming from? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, we we, we continue. I mean, humans
5: have a tendency, and, and let me say it this way. Humans have
1: a tendency to try to make patterns Correct. out of things. Yep. Okay? That's just our human condition. And that's why you have so many people who say, well, they look at photographs of Mars and they see a, well, there's a gerbil up there, you know, or they, uh, they, the rock looks like uh, it's a bone, it's a dinosaur. Right. Bone, or it's a,
6: you know, it,
1: it, we had this thing called pareidolia, which is basically a... Uh, where we talk, people see, you know, uh, things in clouds, you know, clouds look like animals or faces or
3: something. So, this happened so, yeah. to us last week here on the show, Rich, not to get you off, sorry, this <laughs> happened just last week where we had a report from Mars where uh, Alan, who's not on the show right now because he had a little stomach uh, issue, uh, okay. he's probably on the, on, in the bathroom right now, cursing that I brought that up, but uh <laughs> He, you know, he uh, presented a story where supposedly there's a skeleton that was found on Mars, and when I looked at it, I was like, "Yeah, that's a bunch of rocks." And he, and he, by by all intents and purposes, he completely bought into the, the this thing being a skeleton. Uh, when you look at the pattern of the things around the area, uh, there are other rocks that look very similar to, to this supposed skeleton. And again, that's pareidolia working at its finest, where you look at something that's a, really nothing but a pile of rocks, and you think, oh, it must be a skeleton <laughs> of some kind of humanoid that lives on Mars.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, I, mean, I studied child psychology and I studied Sean. Uh, Alan needs Jean, a little child psychiatr- psychiatr- psychiatrist. Uh, yeah, was... basically... <laughs> it's going to be so
3: mad. Yeah.
1: I'm not talking to a child, uh, but I, I just want to, like, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is right out of the the crib, I mean, you're already starting to look for patterns. And so True. let me let me just, so our whole lives are about patterns, and we, we see letters, and we interpret letters a certain way, and we see numbers, and we interpret that. So that's what we do. We look for patterns. We, we've been looking for patterns in this craziness for a very, very long time. And can you find that, uh, that a certain shape is in existence? Well, guess what? They, there's so many variances to the shapes that it just would make your hair stand on them. And then, you know, lately we've had, you know, uh, triangular cases where people say, well, I see a white light light, and then there's a red blinking light in the middle. Okay, well, maybe there is something to that one, Um, but yet we find variances with even that. We find uh, all kinds of variations where, where people have different, they have different lighting and there's no rhyme or reason to that. You have some of the triangles that move with the point forward, some that move with the flat end forward. You have uh like I said, you've got, you know, a variety of shapes. You've got red orbs, you've got these you red orbs, you've got yellow orbs, you've got green orbs. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So no, we don't see any kind of, like, particular pattern, even in the context of, you know, you talked about the water objects. Well, some of them underneath the water are have lights, and some of them don't, and even the objects in Agua Día that, that were up in the air one minute and down in the water the next. I mean, it's like, you know, what does that that quick movement of about 85 miles an hour under the water and... You hardly even see a splash, but you see effects of it you know doing what it's doing, and then what splits into two and you know and you, you just struggle with that, so I guess what I'm trying to say to you is like you know if you really try to truly look at at the cases that we we have we have and you try to like look for patterns, you struggle with it
5: interesting
3: that's yeah, very true i, I completely uh, i could see that being an issue especially for for Alan. <laughs> <laughs> he struggles, my, my goodness, man Oh, no That was that was a doozy last week I, I, Look, Rich, I was sick all last week and I couldn't be on the show uh, Verbally, I couldn't talk, but I wanted to scream at him so bad Because he just completely fell for this But there's so many people that fall for this, though
5: well, okay, but in his defense, that first, like we were saying about that first picture, that first picture did make it look like there was something until you actually looked at the actual, you know, the actual rover footage, not the, not the almost Photoshop one. Then you were kind of like, mm, eh, maybe not. I think Alan just wants to believe there's something on Mars. I think there's something yeah. on Mars. I think eventually we might see something on Mars. It's not a rock. Well, I think that there's
1: there's there's, there's a, a, a love. For a lot of mysteries, okay? I mean, we, we love mysteries. I mean, that's, that's, we have TV shows and movies that are based on that.
3: Correct. And yeah. we're always
1: looking for something to create interest because that's, that's a heck of a lot more interesting than the boring facts of the world, right? So, I mean, I look at it like this it's like, you know, you can either choose to live in the more like the fact based world and, and what you really see, or you can go off on these fantasies and, 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 and these things that are of interest, but when, when you literally do the, the, if you would, the science, and you, and you check into it, you find out that most of these things just have no basis at all. I mean, I mean, even on Mars, we're still speculating whether, well, we found out it didn't have water, but we're speculating on whether it even had an atmosphere that was conducive to life. Right.
5: And then, right, you know, right. if somebody
1: wants to tell you that, they see a dinosaur bone on it, and that was like you know the, <laughs> okay, the
5: atmosphere. Let me just jump in there just for a second, though. I mean, no, no, but
3: hold on, Christopher. He's making a great point here. Go, go ahead, Ray. So finish this point because this is actually well, an you, excellent point.
1: But you find out that the atmosphere was—they uh, believe that more or less it was not—it was hit by something and it basically knocked the atmosphere off of it, close to about <laughs> four billion years ago. I mean, right. so it's like you know. So, okay, so we're only talking about, you know, the universe being around for a little over four billion. So, I mean, I, my point to you is that, you know, I mean, why would you expect something that looks like a, a gopher? Uh, I mean, why would you expect anything that looks like a dinosaur? Why would you expect to experience that on a different planet where, I mean, probably, I mean, none of these planets we could probably even live on uh, uh, even now. I mean, we just well human
3: beings but doesn't mean that doesn't mean that another form of life could not be on these planets I mean, yeah, but, and so, so that's the
1: point though mean we literally like,
3: hold on crystal hold on um, one more okay. time
1: and i'm not rejecting the fact that there are planets out there that have life and and i still question whether they would look like us maybe they would have something a little bit different or radically different right right and uh and so would you expect fact that that all these life forms are going to have two eyes, would they have uh, heads like we would, and would they have, uh, you know, and you, you just go on and on, and that's pretty doggone incredible to think about it statistically, to think that that kind of thing is going on that way, and there's so many of the probably planets out there that are not oxygen, and, you know, based. Uh, I mean. They may have something totally different. Why, why oh, is it... Rich, for,
3: for, in- there could be life on, on Venus, for all we know, and that's a greenhouse runaway effect that's, that's gone bananas, but there could be life there that is just an extremophile type of life that's completely different to us. While we can't survive there, it doesn't mean other life forms can't survive there. Uh, I mean, that that, right. is, that is very, very uh, obvious that, you know, it, it, even on this planet, the places we think there will be no life whatsoever, we're finding you know, places that are teeming with life. And we, when you look yeah. at it you, and you think about it, you're like, yeah, there's no way there could be life down there in, in the deepest parts of the ocean, and yet there's life completely thriving it, it, with darkness, you know, down there. There there are animals that could light up the darkness. So, I mean, these things are living down there. Why couldn't there be life in other planets that is just completely different to ours? Oh. Might oh. It might be intelligent life, but life is life. Well, I uh, not yeah, completely, I completely
1: agree. And But my yeah. point is that even if you take a look at some of those things at the bottom of the ocean, they don't too have two hands and two arms and two eyes. Right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? They don't look like us at all. Right, right, so right. They're, right, they're right. kind of like an alien life form to us as well. Correct, so, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but, I mean, everybody's going to describe. And then the other thing that, you know, you get is that, yeah, you can see that the how m- the media will help to shape uh the mythology around this thing. But mm-hmm. let me give you a, a good example, and that is that you know, I mean, we have uh, yeah, we had the initial Betty and Barney Hill case in 1961, where they claimed that they were taken aboard, and, and then a little bit after that, you you have uh, Marjorie Fish who did a study and said that the star map was probably Zeta Reticuli one and Zeta Reticuli two. Well, so suddenly then after that, everybody's claiming that all their aliens are from Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2. Well, wait a Correct. minute. Those are two stars. <laughs> yep. They're two stars. You don't you don't come from a star. You come from a planet around a star.
3: But it's like, you know,
1: that's the kind of thing you run into with this whole thing.
3: Correct. Crystal, you had a question uh, earlier that we cut you off. Sorry.
5: Well, that's all right. More, more a statement because, I mean, I absolutely because I'm cause I'm vibing with all of this. We you know, you've got to have that level of discernment, you know, you've got it you've got to look at this a certain way, but at the same time, I mean, we literally just talk about spacecraft that we can't make any rhyme or reason of. I mean, you talk about the different kinds of alien races that look like robots, you talk about, you know, it goes down into the ocean but it doesn't make a splash. So if anything, shouldn't that teach us that we don't know jack? I mean, so I I don't understand how we can how we can definitively make these assumptions where there's no way it could be on Mars, because based on what we know, doesn't I mean, every time we look at a UFO, shouldn't we realize that we don't know very much because we can't do that? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, is it is it is it is it an accurate statement to say, no, you can't come from a star? Wouldn't a more accurate statement be to say that based on what we know so far, which isn't much, I don't think you can. Like, you know, we lose that sense of imagination and then we become stagnant. I think that's one of the reasons why we don't go very far in this field.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, 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 we, we can go further in the field. And that's one of the things that I'm doing in, in Newfound, uh that, that basically I'm working on strategic projects like putting in more advanced technology out there to actually track and capture these things in different uh, spectrum uh, and use the electromagnetic spectrum much broader than just having things visually. That's exciting. Taken, but, you know, that's
6: super. And exciting. we're using
1: we're using gamma ray detectors to be able to detect things. And so we're we're plotting that. In fact, I'm working on a on a project with uh, people like uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, and I'm working with uh, Doug Trumbull, who is the the cinematographer from Close Encounters and uh, 2001 A space odyssey and he's helping us with this so i mean we are doing some serious things in terms of trying to be able to get more definitive answers uh other than witness testimony which doesn't take us very far
6: true
1: but the the, the thing that i'm trying to get at is speculating and saying that there, i mean first off it's not like we, we have a phenomenon that seems to be more, like I said, Earth-based. Not that they're not up in space. Okay, I'm not negating that. But I'm saying that we don't, it's not like we're seeing any indications and we've had orbiters going around Mars and around the moon and everything else and constantly take, and that fact we know more about the moon and, uh, and the lunar scape and Mars now than we know about the, what's underneath our own ocean.
3: That's kind of true, yeah, and that's scary, isn't it, Rich?
1: Well, it is scary, and and let me point out. I mean, we should be calling this planet not Earth; we should be calling it Water because it's three quarters of it's water. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I mean, let's call it the planet Water. I mean, uh, but ultimately, I mean, we've got things down there that that could be from elsewhere, uh, and they they're living down there, and they're and. Guess what? You know, I'm out there I'm I'm detonating nuclear bombs in the, in the middle of the Pacific at an atoll and wouldn't that be kind of shaking up maybe some of their places that they might be? Yeah, sure it could. So could that explain it? Yeah. Could these things be objects that are popping in and out of time? Yes. I mean, could they be us from the future?
3: Yes. Possibly. Could yeah. they
1: be uh could they be on this planet all along and even before us? Yes. Are they interdimensional? Yes, they could be that. They could be
3: all of the above. That's the uh, the great mystery, want- isn't it? They could really be just about anything. We really don't know. In fact, that you hit a, you hit a, a topic right there that is uh, you know very sensitive to myself because I do believe uh, that a lot of the things that people are seeing are beings uh, that might have been here all along, even before humans were here. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine in Crystal, you know this gentleman, Dennis Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, a, a proponent of the hollow earth insider and uh, he was uh, that was the name of his website actually it's called the hollow earth insider he was a big proponent of the hollow earth theory and uh, you know there's i think a little bit of credibility to the fact that there might be pockets of life within the Earth uh, you know, or pockets within the Earth that can harbor life. I'm not too sure if there's a hollow Earth, per se, but uh, with, you know, Admiral Bird and the fly over the, you know, the, and all that stuff that he said he saw, uh, I think there's, there's a little bit of, of, of believ- believability to the possibility of there being life within the Earth itself that has been here all along, and that's what we're seeing. It, it, that would make a little bit more sense to me that some being coming from Zeta Reticuli, which is so far away, and uh, having that that type of technology um, I mean do you believe in the, in the theory At all of the hollow earth is that something that you think is possible Or life within the earth itself
1: Well Yeah I, I think I'm not sure that I believe the hollow earth Theory I am well aware of it Because that's one of the first things that I got Really into when I was younger uh, I, I read all the Books and the literature on it And you know and But you know it's more of a you know, it's more, how I put it, the, the fact that some, we already know kind of like what's in the core <laughs> of the planet. And it's, it's you know, inconceivable that you've got, you know, a big huge hole at the top that's being covered up and satellites
3: can't but see But do it. we really, or, I mean, we haven't dug that deep to actually confirm that there's a oh, yeah. mental core.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I guess what I'm trying to, it doesn't matter. It's not about that as much as the, you know, a, a hollow earth, or a hollow planet for all that, that would resonate like a bell. And we know that the moon does when you hit it, because it seems to be like more like hollow, but you know, That's again, you know, you look at, you look at the, what we know about planetary science, I guess, if you would, and you know fully well that this has got uh, a molten core that, that would be moving the planet around and causing plates to shift and, and everything else. So it, it, it's going to be the, the, the typical basic uh, thing you find that would be making up stuff if you were trying to create it. But to speculate and say that there's like some opening, uh, at least what the drawings were claiming, and it's just beyond. Uh, but let me step back again. I, I still say that, you know, it, it's, just, it's not about going into the earth as much as it is the bottom of the ocean. You can go to the bottom of the friggin' ocean and and, and have a base under there, and, and it's hard to be seen or detected, and we haven't been everywhere yet. And these objects are bouncing around and coming out a lot of times in and around water.
3: Oh, um, we read a story before we had you on about uh, Guantanamo Bay, uh, where there supposedly yeah. is a, a base down there, uh, that objects are seen coming out of all the time. And I'm Cuban, uh, by birth, and I've heard these kind of stories for the last 25 years. I'm 38 now, for the last 25 years at least. I've heard rumors of uh, alien ships or UFOs or USOs or whatever you want to call them coming out of the Guantanamo Bay area and around Cuba. I mean, this is stuff they, you know, my folks have talked about that, uh, that, you know, this is uh, rumors and lore that you know it's uh, part of the Cuban culture because you know there are sightings down there in Cuba that people don't talk about here in the in the states. But you know, once the the embargo with Cuba is lifted, I think a lot of these stories are going to start coming out by the dozens. And this is something that was just reported on the Daily Mail recently, and uh, it's a very interesting story because it, it kind of correlates to a lot of stuff that I've heard over the last twenty five years.
5: Yeah, let
1: me. That brings up an interesting point because uh, you mentioned the Daily Mail. Um, one of the one of the interesting things that I've experienced over a period of time that I've studied, uh, especially with uh, me being in the IT world, is the the sheer amount of disinformation that is being put out and incorrect information. And what we have now are a large number of of websites and Facebook pages, and you know what? I mean, it, it's basically spreading disinformation and bad information. And the Daily Mail happens to be one of those. Uh, so uh, my, I, my word of caution to you uh, is that you carefully evaluate the, the sources um, of information. I, I'm continuing to watch, like I said, as, as these sites that are out there are doing an injustice to the ufology world in terms of studying legitimate UFOs because they're out there creating CGI effects, they're creating bogus stories, they're taking mm-hmm. stories, uh, and, and just altering the hell out of them. Uh, I watched that happen on many, many occasions uh, over the period of time, and I've, I've actually presented on this as an issue, uh, but I've watched as, as these sites will come out and create Conspiracies create all this other wonderful stuff when, in fact, there really isn't anything. And um, I've watched cases that I've investigated. The moment they get on Facebook, they get twisted and turned, and you can't get them undone because the damage has already been done. Oh, I know, and but I, I'm telling thing. you, I,
3: I've, I've heard many tales of uh objects coming out of the Guantanamo Bay area over the years. It's just, it was funny for oh. me to read it on the Daily Mail and on an actual website reporting it for once. Because this stuff yeah. is reported in Cuba, and, uh you know, it's reported, I think, even more openly that stuff is reported here in the U.S. Uh Down there, there's not, you know, it, it's not as big of a of a popular subject as it is here with uh, some folks, but it's also not that big of a taboo where people are like kind of afraid to talk about it. Uh, they openly talk about that kind of stuff down there. And for years, I mean, this is reports that have been coming out of Cuba that objects are seen coming out of the Guantanamo Bay area. And here we have a couple of Marines sure. supposedly that 50 years ago had a couple of sightings. And that's what they reported that these Marines had a couple sightings. And this is stuff that I've heard about before. So it kind of correlated to stuff that I've heard from my own friends and family members so I kind of found that no, funny is it, that it's finally being reported somewhere.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is to uh, you know I, I you know, we've had a lot of people tell us that oh this is a hot spot let's look at it right so right, we right, looked right. at them and we did the an analysis and it was no significant difference than anywhere else right uh, you know uh, so I mean there are there are sightings that are happening possibly I mean originally. And I'm talking about like when I got back in the earlier days of my ufology career, it was the, the, the statistics were that one out of every 12 sightings gets reported.
3: Okay. One out of every 12. Okay. That so, makes
1: sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. One, out of, one out of every 12 gets reported. And there's a, it's a lot unreported. The strange- I'm sorry?
5: I said that's just a lot unreported.
3: Well, that makes sense because a lot of folks don't have proof, so they, they just, right, you know, they or maybe they're it. afraid to report right. something for the stigma of being, you know, labeled a kook oh, yeah. or something. So, I mean, that would make sense that very few actually go reported.
5: True, it's just a lot. Yeah, that's but I mean, that's, yeah, that's...
3: but the, let me also
5: inject something else,
1: and that is that, uh, that um, people make decisions about reporting things based upon their, what it might do to their career, uh, their, what their fate is. Uh, it it might be the fact that they don 't want to report it because you know I mean for whatever reasons but but ultimately there there are personal reasons why people don 't do it uh, uh, and 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 then there 's a thing called the strangeness index, and what i 'm trying to inject here was that it 's easier for me to feel like I can report a lightness guy than it is for me to tell you that the lightness guy came down. And, and knocked my the power out of my car, and a little being got out of it.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so the stranger the case, the less likely that people will talk about it as well.
3: Right. right. So you may Makes have a,
1: you may have well, a, I might a think legitimate... I was crazy. Yeah, and so so bottom line is that there's a variety of reasons why people don't report, and there's more reasons why they don't report than they do report. And so the ones we get reported are the ones that most people feel kind of safe and you won't call me a kook. Or a, And then so those are the ones, guess what? We can explain, you know, like 80% of those. The problem is we haven't got the other 11, you know? Right. And, well, look, our uh, – go ahead, go ahead. And my, my only point was if you don't have the total perspective on what these things are about, then
5: how are you supposed to evaluate and study them and
3: get any answers? Right. Well, look, our own uh, Chris Brown here, Chris J. Brown, who's one of the the co-hosts on the show, had a sighting uh, a while back with his son, and he reported it. MUFON actually ran a story on it. Open Minds ran a story on it. We reported it. Uh, It's a a very interesting case. His son was involved in this whole thing, Um, and, and Chris You know, you weren't afraid to uh, come forward. I mean, you you were very open about you know what happened, and you just you know you came forward because it's something that blew your mind, really.
2: Yeah, that you know that was uh, having my child there was the biggest one because um, it just wasn't me and the neighbor too, and so it, it it that's what gave me the motivation to get out there and to say something. I have to say, if it just happened to me. Uh, I might be one of those those twelve that that don't that didn't say anything so, and um, that's that's what I guess was my big motivation.
5: It's just so interesting to hear that number because that means you know and and hearing you know what you just said, Rich, about you know the cases that actually aren't getting reported. People could be right. having some amazing experiences and aren't saying a word about it.
3: Yeah, but how many, how much is that, Crystal? How much is that fact uh, that they are? Afraid of what happened, or maybe they don't remember what happened because you know their memory was wiped out, or it was
5: the flashy thing. okay? Yeah.
3: correct. I me no, but you know we joke with the flashy thing, but. A lot of people that have you know had abduction uh, cases claim they have no memory. I mean, even Travis Walton, when he had his issue, uh, it, you know a lot of the stuff came back to him, and initially he didn't remember anything that happened to him. It you know, came back in flashbacks, and he did some regression therapy, and then he started remembering things as they as they went along. But that's kind of like a common theme, though, isn't it, Rich?
1: Well, in in abduction cases, uh, there are some people that have what they call clear conscious memory and they know exactly what happened to them. And then there are some people that, that, you know, they they basically have a lost time.
5: And so even
1: that varies in terms of what you find. Um, uh, But, you know, going back to what Chris said, it's like, you know, I mean, he apparently uh, got the confidence or whatever like that to be able to feel like he could report it you know, you look at, uh, the air, think about this. The air force had project blue book during its years from, uh, the 1947 timeframe to the time that it closed in 1969. Uh, it only had 12,000 cases reported to it. Okay. 12,000 people said, I'm going to call the government (laughs) Mm
6: -hmm. and, and
1: and report my sighting. Right. And, you know, and they always use that as their their wonderful statistic, and yet here they couldn't explain 30% of the cases that they got of, of that. MUFON gets roughly about that each year, you know, and so huh. we're getting 12,000 12, cases a year. Well, I mean, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of cases, right? right? Right. And then, you know, you go and you say, well, okay, I can explain... 70% of those, so you get down to a 30% factor, and you say, well, okay, how many of these things are classified aircraft that I'll never ever get an answer from? Well, probably a good number of them have that, and then uh, you get down and, and further and further to the point where you're down to about, let's say, 5 to 10% so that are just, you know, puzzlers. You can't, what the heck are they? I don't know. I mean, they're, they don't make any logical fit. Well, I'm going to share with you that the same thing is true about the abduction phenomena. But we don't have the rigor and the science yet to be able to do the proper job of discerning which of these things is legit and not.
3: Right, right, right. And
1: so w- what I see all the time are,
3: are people that are they're
1: showing me pictures of lumps on their arm and they say, I'll be abducted. Right. Or I, I got people, the people that said that they've lost track of 15 minutes of their time and they think that they were abducted. I'm sorry, but I mean, it's probably about a 70% of those things that are not legit either. So you have right. to be with some, you have to understand that that's just the nature of that. And, and you know, not every ghost is going to be a ghost. I mean, it's right. not something. Right. So, so ultimately you get down to the point where you've got a mystery there and most of these things have legitimate mysteries to them. But at the same time, that's the part that we want to study. I don't want to study the the characteristics of a bird. I don't want to study a balloon. I don't want to spend my time looking into a uh, military aircraft. I want to look at the ones that are only the UFO. I mean, the one that we can't explain. And, and that's how I'm going to tell you how they behave and what they do and where they move. Mm. And if I can't get down to there, then if I can't get that investigated and get it down to there, then it's just, then you got people out there saying, well, I saw them and, Gee, it flies like a bird, you know. It, right. it maneuvers around, and it, it's the size of a bird, and it's, it wings. It's got flaps, that kind of crap. You know what I'm saying?
3: I mean, What do you say to the folks like the Andrew Basagios of the world who are making claims that not only are aliens real, but we're working with them, and we're going to Mars, and we have a jump room to Mars, and all, all this stuff that he's coming out with?
1: Show me the proof. I mean, most of these things are stories. You know, I mean, w- w- let me tell you. If I, I mean, most of
5: ufology is nothing but storytellers.
3: Correct. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
5: We'll that see? is a sad truth. Very, very true question for you rich yeah. Then you you're 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 working on kind of advancing the technology and how you can you go you, you touched on it briefly before but can you kind of go into like a little bit about that things that are making you like really excited for being able to tell the difference between a drone and an actual ufo i think he, <laughs> like i think stuff. he was going
3: to go somewhere else with what with what i mentioned there and uh, you kind of like se- segued him away from it and i, I really see. wanted to hear I'm yeah i really about. wanted to hear where he was going to go with that rich you want to finish your point before you uh head out to her question
1: Oh, well, no, I, I was just going to say that. I mean, I, that basically, ufology uh, is kind of like one of the things that continues to morph, and we always have to deal with the fact that it's morphing every day because of either media or misinterpretation or incorrect information that's being given out, and,
3: or and liars.
1: people making people making assertions about this or that. that, that right. And it, and it does, and then you have all those people that are out there creating the CGI videos and wanting to pass them off to fool a bunch of people, and
3: right. and then I've got
1: you know even in Huntsville here I've got an individual, dig this, this is a wild story, so I mean I'm I'm here and I've got a repairman in in my house and he's working on my security system, and I, we got the talking and he's like saying, oh well you know he likes to fly, he, he created his own drone. And he's flying it around, and he said he was—he didn't even know who he was talking with—but he said, you know, I got this one that I built that looks just like a flying saucer, and I'm going out and <laughs> flying it around the area trying to get UFO people to say it was UFO. And so, uh-huh. you, know, you know, there you go. I mean, so yeah, I've no, look, look at the look I'm
3: at the doing. balloon boy—the balloon boy a few years ago where his father uh, was building a UFO-looking yeah. balloon.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. Now I it keeps getting harder and harder to get to the legitimate UFO because well, I the all the
3: kid fresh.
2: ragging that dad on CNN and blowing him out uh, on national TV was pretty good on the bloom boy. I do have
3: that. To- that was brilliantly Absolutely. done, yeah, kid. I'd love the, the way that turned out, uh, because like, uh, honestly, th- that is the, and I've been saying this for a long time, Rich, and we'll get to your question in a second here, Crystal, because I know you had a really good question, but you know, I've been saying this for a very long time, that the the one thing that really takes away from ufology is the amount of hoaxing, the amount of liars and con artists, and people that are just making stuff up to fool the masses, and it makes it harder for people like Rich, people like, you know, and MUFON, that are really trying to investigate the subject in a, in a serious scientific manner because you have to weave through so much garbage and, and the minutiae of the BS just to get to a, a real case and, and it's a, a sad statement that people are actually doing these things on purpose you know that guy with a kid I mean why would somebody do that why would somebody spend time and money to try to hoax and fool people you know there's a video that came out on YouTube a couple years ago where there's an alien in a room that supposedly was abducted uh, and it was a, a big old marketing campaign for Mundo Gump and the alien was you know, he was uh, and Chair uh, tied up or whatever, and it was just, just a CGI creation, but people believed it, and the guy passed it off as a legit alien. I mean, why would I, it boggles my mind why people would sit there and create these things to fool people? I mean, I, I really do not understand that. Uh, I don't know the psychosis behind why people would do this, but uh, do you have an answer why people would possibly do something that idiotic? Just they're evil, I guess, right? Well, I mean, so there's a lot of people that are attention-seeking. I mean, that's really what they're
1: after. I mean, people want to. I mean, look at the the uh, the, the shootings that go on. Some of these are copycat and they want to get they want to be on TV. I mean, that's right? Just, uh, right yeah. There's a there's a, a notoriety that comes with some of this stuff. With a badge of honor. I can
3: get my name out, you know. So you have that too. That's very true. Now, Chris, will repeat your question again, so he, he could uh, get to it, because it was a Just good question. Just
5: briefly talking about some of the technology that he's implementing to kind of help, yes. you know, take the field to the next level, and you know, help us tell the difference between, you know, drones and actual UFOs. So maybe people will stop reporting lens flares. No more lens flares, people.
3: Right, this is a J.J. J. Abrams movie. Well, that's he did really list. good with Star Wars. He did good. Yes, there weren't too yes, many. that's true.
1: So there's a couple of initiatives out there that we're working with uh, right now, and and we're going to be talking with uh, all the different uh, teams that are uh, at the symposium next uh, month. But anyway, uh, there's a number of initiatives that are looking the same, and they're all trying to do the same kind of thing where they're trying to create these things that have detectors that also then would then create uh, images either by cameras that are placed in the units or something of that nature. And so uh, some of them are a little bit more along than others. But the one I was telling you about, uh, for example, is called UFO TOG 2. Uh, and it's it's basically, if you can imagine, me putting three platters out in a triangular formation uh, in a hot spot. And each of these units have communication gear on them, so they're all talking with each other. Um and they're, you know, and so they have gamma ray detectors and they've got like a set of cameras around their perimeter. And one camera might be ultraviolet, one might be infrared, might be, uh, another one's visible, another one might be, uh, uh, you know, uh, another part of the spectrum. Or another one might be a spectral image where it, it, it causes, it's caused by diffraction of the, the light source and stuff like that. So you can actually make out what it's made of. So we have these cameras on these platforms, and what it happens is it detects an object. There's an object that that goes across. By having three platforms out, you can now triangulate its position. Okay, mm-hmm. so you triangulate its position, and then you basically have the cameras going off to take pictures of this thing in a different kind of spectrum, if you would. So that's that's uh, one that we're working with, um, and that's got in the Concept development, prototype development phase. Another one is actually right now built. Uh, they've actually got a small unit, but it's working with regular cameras and it, 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 it plays it out. And then this is one camera, if you would, on a platform. And then there's a group called UFO Data that's also got another initiative. And we're trying to coordinate, uh, all those different initiatives. Uh, in addition to that, we're, uh, we're attempting to go into um, come up with apps that you can put on phones that would help you to, to get and triangulate and and catch where objects are as well because everybody's walking around with those. So right, we're looking right. at that, that kind of technology as well. And, you know, my iPhone right now, I mean, I can use it for a lot of UFO investigations right now. Uh, and so we're trying to deploy some of that and help encourage people to do things with that. We've also got Skywatches going on with incredible gear and stuff like that. So more Skywatches we can have and we can coordinate, uh, we're doing that. We have Skywatches uh, in Florida. They have a project called MAST, MUFON Aerial Surveillance Team. They're they're doing a lot of stuff. So we're trying to, you know, we need to get to the point where we start using technology to our advantage. Additionally, there's a a gentleman that uh, got one of those, like, you know, Funding kinds of things going on, but he's sat, uh, and he's uh, he's putting a, a small cube shaped uh, shaped satellite he wants to put that in orbit and he 's come up with a design to be able to have it now detect things from space and so we're those are that's another uh, initiative. So you get what I'm saying? We're, we're trying to go in and push the envelope for that kind of exploration to help us to get somewhere. And technology has come down to the point where we can actually do something with it and buy it now at the yeah, grassroots
3: yeah. level. Yeah, technology, I think, is going to be our best friend in the end of the day because it's going to help us really get to a lot of answers that we want to get to. Now, you're both the MUFON State Director of Alabama. You're also the MUFON Director of Strategic Projects. Uh, if folks want to join MUFON and get, like, titles like those, how hard is it to join MUFON and to get to your position, like State Director, for Well, example.
1: first off, it's 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 easy to get into MUFON. I mean, all you got to do is go to MUFON.com and, and basically sign up, and you can become a, just a basically a member that yeah. way but then there's there's many levels of working within MUFON I, I mean we have even in our publication that we've got on the last page we got so many blasted positions we're looking for and most all of these things are volunteer it's not like I mean MUFON runs by donations on the right. basis of yeah, you know, it's it's it, that's all that's all it is. I mean, it's not like we're getting any government funding or any or any kind of funding from anybody. I mean, yeah, and you guys for, are not getting
3: paid for being on the field. I mean, when you do investigations, it's coming out of no. your own pocket. It's not like you're getting a, a hefty check for yeah. this, which is why I have an a, oh, yeah. amazing amount of respect for Mufon because of the simple fact that these are people that are putting themselves out there. Uh, in, with their own resources You know MUFON you know, unfortunately can't pay for everybody's investigation So you really have to have a passion For the subject to go out there and do these things And be on the field And actually put boots on the ground And, and do the work
1: Yeah tell
5: me
3: about it I wish I had the money I've
5: spent
3: over <laughs> <62 years>. um. <laughs> You'd be loaded my uh, friend You've been doing this for I so was, long was,
5: you got it covered now You're just like an old hand at this Yeah
1: tell me about it I, but I could be retired now sitting back in some <laughs> nice
5: seat somewhere.
1: But anyway, yeah,
5: still be UFO hunting, you know but, you would. On the beach <laughs> I would.
1: I would. And that's that's the sad part about it, as I would be up looking like I always do. But anyway, the the gist of it is that, you know, there are so many ways you can get involved and move on that it's ridiculous. I mean we have need for state directors and states, we have uh, we have people that would get interested in volunteer. The problem is finding people that are willing to volunteer. Um yep. and that's that's a real problem not just in UFO fields, but pretty much everywhere.
3: Not only volunteer but be you know, intelligent enough to know what they're doing and, and yeah and and be flexible enough with their time to be able to put actual good, you know, hours behind what they're doing. Because, this is, you know, a lot of these things, it's not something you just breeze right over. You have to really put a lot of man hours into, you know, the, a lot of these investigations you guys do. Oh,
1: without a doubt. I mean, but but I, I guess what I, I want to say that, you
3: know, the technologies
1: have been a good friend to... I mean, I don't investigate things now but I, the way I did back uh, when I got started 52 years ago. I mean, I've got... Right now in my hand, uh, a phone that has got so many incredible capabilities on it that literally I can, you, you tell me that you see something, I'm now looking at you from space and saying, okay, well, which tree were you under when you were looking at it? Okay. Uh, I can now look, I can now put and change the GPS coordinate in my app, and I can look at the satellites and the aircraft you've got going uh-huh. over your head. Uh, I can see the satellite tracks, the directions that they're moving. I can touch them and get incredible information about that. I can see where the ISS is. I, I can go to a, another app and I can look and see if there was a fireball and meteor. I mean, hell, I had to do that by, I didn't have a computer. I, I had to go, be, you know, go to the library and spend time looking at, at, at stuff and then contacting people and getting this, and it took me, you know over a week to be able to do a just a simple investigation on a little light in the sky because you know there's so many things you had to look at but i mean now i've got these incredible technology and these these computers and stuff like that allow me to do so much more
3: it's it's ridiculous no no kidding. i i mean how difficult is going is it going to be for you know for us going forward Uh, with investigations, uh, when it comes to, like, you know, trying to find what's credible and what's not, considering that people are seeing satellites and iridium flare satellites and, uh, you know, different kind of objects that are just, you know, are man-made and they're mistaking them for for UFOs, technology is going to make that a whole lot simpler to be able to, like, completely debunk a lot of this stuff that people are mistaking, right? Exactly. And, you
6: know, I
1: mean, you have to understand that that people – Seeing something like this is an emotional event for many people. I mean, it's it's a significant emotional event in their life. You know, they think that they've seen something, and they they, they it's a UFO to them, and and, and by God, it can't be a, a anything that that's like it can't be the planet Venus because <laughs> I think I know what the planet it is. And 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 so it's it's a significant emotional event that you know certainly you want to honor that. I mean, I I mean I believe that. You know, uh, and I, I hate to, to damage their, their intelligence by saying that I'm sorry, but it, it was the planet Jupiter that met. and But, you know, at the same time, I look at it as being an educational event because I think that, you know, we need to be, become more knowledgeable about what's up there. And so, so part of the new fond mission has to be about in, in helping people become aware of the IFOs that are out there. And so the more we can educate, the better off. Mm-hmm. The more that you know, shows like yours can, can help educate, the better. I mean, so the, the more that we, we get that out there, the better. Um, the more we can uh, also supply people with tools and recommend that they use this or that, uh, that's the better. Um, certainly, I don't need to see a whole bunch of lights in the sky or blurred images on photographs. But, I mean, I mean, trust me, I mean, I understand why people want to send them in because to them it was something that they couldn't see and yet I'm looking at a little out of focused light. I'm thinking like, right. well, how's that going to help me scientifically to know anything more? Right? Yep, yep,
3: yep. Oh, so yeah, that, we,
1: we want, we, we, while at the same time we say that we, you know, it's important for us to get reports and to get an understanding of how frequent they are, we need to have, you should see some of the reports that come in. It'd be like, you know, we need to have people spend some time and give us really some legitimate detail. When you get reports like, hi, and I don't want to tell you my name, it's X, Y, Z, and, oh, by the way, I saw something, and they don't even give you an address. And then they tell you that I saw this light, and it was moving around and doing things, but I have no location that you're giving me. I don't have, I I can't even begin to do an investigation. You don't have any, that's the kind of thing you give me, and I'm supposed to do something with it? Or you write two sentences on this life-changing uh, event that you have.
3: You put. You say,
1: I saw a UFO.
3: <laughs> Usually with that accent, too. You know, it's funny. I had a, yeah. a buddy of mine here in Florida uh, who used to videotape UFOs. And uh, I'm not going to say the name. I don't want to get anybody uh, embarrassed or anything. But let's just say Florida and UFOs. Just use your imagination, guys. If you know me, you know who I'm talking about. And um, for a while there, he was, you know, putting a lot of stuff on YouTube. And uh, you, I, I, look, I've had about probably about 900 maybe a thousand hours of sky watching in my life uh that i've done with friends over the years uh that's a lot of hours believe it or not and uh, i've seen some stuff and i and i know how stuff is misinterpreted i've seen how video cameras can look at an airplane and, and you could see it as a ufo or an orb in the sky and you could be mistaken and this person was reporting stuff that really were nothing more than airplanes and uh I videotaped yeah. something on purpose. I videotaped an airplane coming towards me at my own house, just to kind of short him see to see what he would say. And I did this for about maybe five minutes outside the house. I recorded an airplane coming towards me. It looked by all rich. It looked like a UFO. I mean, this thing looked authentically like a UFO. I showed it to him, and he was like, "By God, you did it! You got an authentic UFO on video! Oh my God, man! I can't believe you actually captured one." This—that's what he said. And and I looked at him, and and I, and I said, "Are you serious?" And he's like. And he's like, oh, he's like, yes, yes, this is incredible, man. You have to put this on YouTube immediately. So I didn't say anything at first. I put it on YouTube just to test the waters. And this was like maybe six years ago, five years ago. And I put this on YouTube, and immediately everybody was going crazy with this video, saying how this is one of the best UFO videos they've ever seen. Um, there was a, a website that picked it up and, and ran it as a, an authentic UFO video. And I'm sitting back, and I'm like, this is an airplane. I know that for a fact that this is an airplane. And I and I did this as a test study just to fool one person to see what he would say because I knew what he was capturing was nothing but airplanes. And then when I told him, dude, you know this was actually an airplane, and I was trying to see if I could fool you and see what your reaction would be, and you not only fell for it, but you promoted this thing as a real thing. And I'm sorry to say that you know what you're capturing most of the stuff is airplanes itself, and we're not friends anymore, Rich. That's what ended up ended up happening. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, but look.
1: Let me me share with you, there's another aspect that I've experienced like this, the exact same thing you're talking about, right? Only now, imagine yourself, you're
3: trying to tell them that it's an airplane and they're calling you a debunker. Right. That's exactly what he said. My goodness, you nailed it. He said, you're nothing but a nasty debunker. And I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. It's just, I, I'm a realist. I believe there, there's alien life. I do believe aliens have come to Earth, but I just don't think that you're capturing UFOs, dude. And the main thing was that, you know, there's so much stuff out in the skies that, you know, could be mistaken. And if you're not a trained person to, you know, with video, for example, you easily can make a mistake uh, with an airplane and see it as something that it's not. And, and I'm not saying that he was doing maybe. All of it on purpose I think sometimes He really was getting fooled Because he wasn't Doing the job properly Maybe he was medicated I don't know But either way I, you know, right. I, really, I think that's another problem By the way A lot of people That I've uh, met over the years Who do sky watching Are heavily medicated you don't want to do mm-hmm. sky watching if you're heavily medicated because you're going to see all kinds of crazy things
5: anyway. All kinds of stuff. Yeah.
3: Well. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's a major issue where where with a lot of sky watchers, and that's something that I've encountered myself. But this one person really got upset when I, you know. Aired out the fact that it was an airplane, and then i I went on YouTube I explained to everybody on YouTube that they were leaving comments that you know this was nothing more than a uh, airplane that I videotaped, and that I was trying to you know see where I could go with this to see how many people would actually be fought for it and rich amazingly enough, immediately people were like saying, Oh no, you're a government plant, you work for the government, you're an agent of the, the misinformation, and uh, you're you know you're this or that and I'm like no, i'm not I'm not any of those things.' I'm just I'm just trying to like you know open your eyes so you're not as gullible as you know some of you people are because unfortunately in this field this is something we deal with is gullibility there's a lot of gullible people that fall for this stuff and believe it because they want to believe in something so badly and that's a, that's a terrible you know way to be when it comes to you following Yeah humor. well
1: that you, you've done a lot of my presentations just in that little thing because it ultimately it's <laughs> the the, the, the gullibility factor in today's society is just bad. I mean, and I, I was the, uh, there for a while. I was the assistant regional director for the, the uh, American Society for Training and Development. And we had done an analysis of, of where kids were at. And we came up with the fact that there is a, going to be a major concern in education. And the concern was that there's no critical thinking. And critical thinking skills are are very lacking. And so we live in a society where we get media and lots of information thrown at us. And a lot of it goes in and we don't dissect it and we don't critique it. And so it gets part of our, our, you know, and we accept it blatantly to the point where now anything that is on the internet is believed because it's on the internet. Or any if you say it's this, then that's good enough for me, and I'm going to accept it. And and there's that lack of critical thinking skill that's not out there, and so our gullibility is up. We believe everything, yep. and, and and so you know that UFO that you that you took will always be a UFO. It'll never be a plane. And it'll go circling around the planet on
3: Facebook in perpetuity. So true. So true. Listen, we're, we're all out of time, Rich, and we could go on for another hour and a half with you. I mean, this is amazing. We have to back, have you back on immediately, uh, really soon. I mean,
5: definitely be at your talk. Thanks. Yeah, no, we're, we're going
3: to meet you next month. We're going to be there. I mean, I'm... Uh, I'm so excited about uh, you know doing anything with MUFON whatsoever. I'm joining MUFON if I could. Uh, I'm gonna uh, you know help as much as possible because I think you guys really are doing a lot of the great work with ufology, getting some of the stuff that that is truthful out there and getting the bunk out of the way. And you know it takes a lot of intelligent folks to do the work. And I commend you for being involved with ufology for 52 years. Uh, you know you're one of my heroes, okay. my friend. Uh, you know it's uh, it's been an honor having you on the show. It really has.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and it's a pleasure meeting you all. Uh, I look forward to meeting you, and don't
3: don't hesitate to come up and
1: introduce yourself to me because I probably <laughs> you know you're gonna you're gonna, gonna get
3: you're gonna get a little scared. You're gonna see a big guy, a big bald guy with glasses, gonna come up to you and hug you. That's me.
1: Wow, <laughs> I love that man. I go for hugs. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I'll
5: be riding on I'm his serious. back. So it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be me and a, a, and a girl. I'm over here there. in
2: Oregon, not giving <laughs> any hugs except my by voice.
3: <laughs> there you go. He'll be hugging you through osmosis. Uh, is there a website you want to give out for anybody who might want to follow your work directly and what you're working on uh, in the next well, uh, few months?
1: Well, I mean, certainly. Um, uh, there's a there's a number of them. like you know, number one, I, I think I gave you the one on the, the case of the Aguadilla case. So if, if right. people are interested in that one, go to ex- explore e x p l o r e s c u dot o r g. Certainly, go to uh, newfon.com and and check out all the resources and things we keep putting up up there. And then uh, I, I I don't ha- I've got one that's that's kind of like still under construction or reconstruction that just talks about local meetings and things like that. It's newfonal.org or excuse me. net. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a there's a lot of great sites out there. I've got a, a Facebook. Uh, Page and uh, on Alabama MUFON, and we try to treat it seriously in in there as well. So, um, a lot of good stuff out there, and just encourage people to really sort out the good stuff from the bad stuff, and check it out.
3: Yeah, you're doing the good work, my friend. I I really uh, am so thankful that uh, folks like you are involved in MUFON, uh, because hey, look, MUFON is the number one uh, organization when it comes to ufology uh, worldwide. I mean, you guys get more reports than anybody else, I believe. So, uh, you know, it's good to see that there is uh, comp- you know not only competent people on board, you know, doing the work, but that you know there are people that are taking this stuff serious, uh, like yourself, and are not just falling for the Andrew Besajrios of the world or the Stan Romaneks of the world, or, or or, you know, the people that are just coming out with stories like we said earlier. Um, you know, I, I'm like you, man, I I agree hundred percent. We need more evidence, more proof, uh we need hard data, we need science behind a lot of this stuff. And again, I thank you for your work and in all the, the fifty two years that you've been involved with ufology. I mean, it's uh, just uh, amazing for, for anybody to be involved with ufology that long. And here, I, I felt silly when I was in high school, and I told my English teacher that I wanted to be a ufologist when I grew up. And uh, here I am, you know, all these years later, and I'm involved in ufology. And, uh, you know, it's to me, it's uh, something that I think is really important because there's nothing greater than the question of are we alone. And to get to that answer yep. is something that we all as a species uh, need to take serious, whether it's, you know, uh, aliens from another world, interdimensional beings, uh, heavenly Angels, whatever the, they may be that are coming down and visiting us, uh, there is something going on, and I think we all want to get to that answer. Uh, guys, we're all out of time uh, time here. Rich, uh, thank you again, Mr. Hoffman, for being on the show with us. Okay. And uh, we're going to be back next week with a great guest. Uh, Steve Asher is going to be on the show, and we're going to talk about his paranormal experiences, including uh, possible abduction uh, cases that he's had on, in himself with uh, aliens. And, uh, you know, he has uh, a lot of stuff that he's written, and uh, that's going to be a really, really exciting show, so please come back for that show next week everybody stick around now for dr j coming up next right here on psn radio uh crystal thank you so much for uh for another great week here on sky watchers you're always the best chris thank you again for uh being uh, with us my friend as always and uh for the other guy who's uh, not here right now because he's in the bathroom somewhere probably puking his life out i don't know what's going on with him uh thank him also for leaving early
5: He's gonna be so mad when he hears about the Mars stuff. Oh, he's
3: he's gonna be so upset about that. I know. Guys, we'll be back next week with more sky watching. So uh, stick around for Doctor J. Love you all. Stay clear-headed and stay safe. I know the streets is really hot right now. Stay safe, and please, please keep your eyes on the skies. Good night, everybody.